You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Killifer. And we have a guest joining us. Hey! It's me again. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I, didn't have, I didn't have anything funny ready for that part. Like, it's, it's Dawn. It's just me again. Back. No animals are disturbing me right now, so I don't have anything to yell randomly right now. So we're, we're, we're good. I'm bored. They're, they're not disturbing <laughs> you yet. Yeah, that's the thing. Yet. They're not disturbing me yet. <laughs> well, we are continuing our Nightmare on Elm Street month with episode 178, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Uh, coming out came out in 1987. It's an hour and 36 minutes, directed by Chuck Russell. Uh, we already saw one of his movies on here, which he did the uh, 80s remake of The Blob. He also did The Mask, Eraser, Blessed Child, The Scorpion King, I Am Wrath, and Paradise City. Um, let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks about this entry. I believe that uh, this is the fan favorite, but Don, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts? Is, th- is this the fan favorite? How did I get on the fan favorite? <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah, no, I would, I would totally say that next to one, this is probably like the one I know the best mm-hmm. and everything. Um, I could have, like, if you had talked to me like maybe 15 years ago, I would have had an open knowledge of everything Nightmare on Elm Street, but all that has like been pushed out of my head throughout the years. Um, but yeah, this, this one, like I was, I know you guys like two. I know you guys like two. I love part two. (laughs) I know you guys, I'm not saying I don't like number two. It's not my favorite. Mm -hmm. This is probably my favorite of the sequels. I think it's got, it's, I think it's got the best deaths in it. Um, this is where I think it starts finally going a little campy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which I like. And now here come the animals. Here they all come. See, I told you. <laughs> they're like, hi. I don't know where everybody is, but they're here. Um, sorry, guys. Um, like, it does. It has my favorite death of all time in it. Uh, I will I will admit. I I'm going gonna, gonna to guess the, uh, the TV. I think, I think we all know it's the TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know. Yeah, that, that's, that's the sleeping bag kill of this franchise. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's the best death. But, you know, marionette guy off the building is is pretty cool, too. All right? Yeah. Um, it's got, it also has, like, the death that um, hits a little too close to home. Like, it's like, um, I'm a little sad that one died. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be, we're not going to, well, you know what? I'll just fucking say it. People have seen this movie. Uh, yeah. which, which would be Will. That one hits a little too close to home, guys. You know, mm-hmm. the nerd dying is not, is not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always been a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Next to Sheila and like five, I think it's Sheila. Uh, like I said, I used to have a knowledge of all of this and Mark and five. I think these, you know, Will's up there. <laughs> yeah. Being- well- the saddest she, death for nerds. She she lives in she lives in part four. Is she in four? Okay, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't. I say well, Mark like, is in part five. You got that. Mark right. is in part five. Yeah, There's, yeah. Someone yeah. dies of an asthma attack. That's the one I'm talking about. Yep, that's I, that's. I, <laughs> like I said, that, that's I the want to suck face. Yeah, that's the one. I like. I used to have a knowledge of all of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that death in particular, while it's not in this movie, uh, there's a very disgusting. Uh, little backstory about that 
where I forget her name, but the actress talks about it on on um, the Never Sleep Again documentary that apparently they did that scene after uh, they had all had like their lunch break. Mm. And uh, what did Robert, Robert England do? <laughs> well, apparently the dentures he would wear for the costume, uh, he had like food and, and gunk and stuff stuck on there. And when they kissed, his dentures fell in her mouth. Mm. I was like, oh, God, that's freaking disgusting. Mm. So. I mean, I could understand him wanting to eat with those in. Like, yeah. this is going to make it a little bit more gross. But when they fall out, yeah, that's. <laughs> yep. Yep. I was like, like, ah, nasty. But... So, yeah, like this, like I said, this is probably the one I've seen as much as I did the first one. Um, okay. if not the rest of them, you know, they like I two, I'm sorry, uh, four and five blend together to me. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm like, wait, which one, which one? Uh, but they kind of blend together. Um, this is probably like my favorite plus not to jump on Maurice's heels here though. Um, Dachshund. Hello. We're the dream warriors. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best metal hair, <laughs> hair metal horror songs of the eighties. Uh-huh. I love the VHS copy because it has the uh, the the video on it. Hey, see, I didn't check to see if it was on the DVD copy. I should have. I, I don't know if it. I think it is. I, I, I think it's just on the VHS. Is it real? I thought it was on the special features, but yeah, no, I know that it it is on the VHS copy. Because uh, I remember that being a big deal. <laughs> like, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's got the docket video. Yeah. One of the, the two music videos that Freddie was a part of, along with the Fat Boys. It's time for Freddie. See, I'm a popular guy. If you don't know yet, you're going to find out why. Yeah. Because that <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street or that, uh, that you know, Will Smith one. Mm-hmm. The, the one. It, I'm the trying one to keep that... it out of my mouth. That the one's one that, not official. <laughs> I was going to say the one that never had an official video either until recently. Mm-hmm. They filmed it and it never aired. So there's a Mandela effect thing for you where a lot of people are like, no, I saw it when it came out. No, you didn't. Because no. it never it never aired. You saw the Fat Boys one and exactly. then you just assumed it was that one. Mm-hmm. Racist. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I I, uh, I think it's safe to say you're a fan. Yeah. <laughs> I like this one. I mean, I have problems with it, but I like this. Well, Maurice, we'll toss it over to you. What are your thoughts on this one? I like this movie. Um, <clears throat> I like two and one better, but it's not a bad movie. I enjoy mm. it when I watch it. Um, it does have some cool deaths in it, especially the TV. And he has some pretty, uh, pretty classic lines in this. Oh, yeah. This is where Freddy starts to get his one-liners. Mm-hmm. Uh, the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Docking. How, how can you beat that? We're the dream warriors! Sorry. <laughs> it's so good. But, uh, yeah, I, no, I enjoy it. I mean, you got a good cast. Um, Patricia Arquette. It's her first appearance. Uh, is it her first movie or? I believe it is her first feature yeah. length movie. Yeah. yeah. I think she was in like a couple of TV shows and stuff before this. Because I think I was reading that a lot of the guys on the set were trying to ask her out or why they ask oh, her yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ro- or ask Rob- her sister out or. <laughs> Let's say Robert England had a whole thing where he was talking about how all the, the young guys on set were asking his advice on how to like pick her up. And he's like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking to me for? 
<laughs> just always Leave talking. me alone, kids. I'm going to go kill you later. Just go away. I'm going to go smoke in my dressing room. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, overall, uh, I'm a fan. I enjoy it. Where Where would you rank this in the pantheon of nightmare movies? Uh, prob- probably three. I'd probably mm. go two and three. Okay. Oh, you like two better than one. I forgot. Yeah, I I like two over one. Hmm. See, now, for me, this is definitely up there. Um, It's hard for me, like, the first three movies, it's hard for me to pick a definitive favorite. Because I like them all for different reasons. This one is the one that was my favorite as a kid. And I think the reason I liked it so much is because it was the first of the, the three movies where it gave the kids like a fighting chance, you know, like the the whole idea of having dream powers. It's like, Oh, you can actually fight back against him. I was like, that was cool. So as a child that lit up my imagination like crazy. Um, Cause the first two movies just scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so definitely should have been watching them at the ages I was watching them. But, uh, but no, I, I really liked this movie. I remember I had the Commodore 64 video game that took a shitload of uh, influences from this film. And me and my brother used to play it all the time. So it was like, this was one of my go-to horror films that we would watch constantly. And um, I mean, there was there was a time that I could quote it like crazy. <laughs> so I, I really do enjoy this movie. They're watching it critically. Oh boy, there's some bad lines and um, there's some bad acting. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, it still holds up as a really good entry into the franchise. And I think this is the point in which Freddy became a huge, a huge icon of pop culture. I think the first two movies, they were still independent horror films to a degree. Cause you know, new line was still the, what did they call them a mini major where it's like they were active, but they were very low budget, you know? So um, this was the one where it was like the mainstream took notice. And we started seeing like the Freddy pajamas and the Freddy sticker books. Like I remember having a sticker book as a kid that was specifically Nightmare on Elm Street three. And, you know, it had like some of the 3D stickers and shit like that. Um, I remember the uh, Freddy rubber doll that came out that was like you could squeeze him and he would spit water. <laughs> like there was the, the Freddy gloves were in every Spencer's across the United States. And still um, are to this day. True. Uh- <laughs> but it, it's, it started with this one. Like this was the this was the one that got it going. So, yeah, I mean, you started seeing the Freddy merchandise. You started seeing Freddy pop up in commercials. Freddy had his own 1-900 number. I <laughs> forgot know? about that one. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yep. But see, and this is this is where it all kind of began. So we have we have part three to really thank for making Freddy such a huge icon. Um, whereas I feel like for Jason, it, it took a little longer. I feel like by part six, that's where Jason was like, OK, he's a household name at this point. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. The first five movies were very popular, uh, but it was mostly among horror fans. By six and seven, it was like everyone was paying attention. I think it was when he took Manhattan. Mm, I, th- <laughs> I think that was when he jumped the shark. I think that's when people stopped paying attention. It could be both. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I am a big fan of this movie. Um, like I said, my my only real beefs are some of the lines of dialogue are awful by today's standards and just you know awfully delivered um like ooh, some of the stuff taryn has to say it's like jesus christ that poor girl some of the stuff they all like some of the stuff nancy even has to say it's like true but, nancy, but you should have known <laughs> but, but come on in my dreams i'm beautiful and sad. that's 
Ooh, that's a clunky line of dialogue, man. <laughs> like, that's oh. rough. But, yeah, now this is one of those movies that we have a lot of moving parts because it has a very big cast. So I'm going to jump into the cast here. A um, lot of people, but obviously we have Nancy Thompson, played by Heather Langenkamp. We would know her from the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie, Shocker, Just the Ten of Us, Growing Pains, A New Nightmare, and Hellraiser Judgment. Um, Neil Gordon, played by Craig Wasson. We would know him from Tales from the Dark Side, MASH, Malcolm X, Body Double, and Murder, She Wrote. Uh, Kristen Parker, played by Patricia Arquette. She's in Tales from the Crypt, Four-Sided Triangle, which is a very weird episode where she falls in love with a scarecrow. Um, <laughs> Prayer of the Roller Boys. If you guys remember that Strasburg, I put that on here for you. Um, <laughs> True Romance, Ed Wood, Lost Highway, Stigmata, which is a movie I would love to have on here. Little Nicky, Holes, Medium, CSI, and Severance. Uh, Kincaid, played by Ken Sagos. Really nice guy, by the way. Um, Twilight Zone, Project X, What's Happening Now, Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master, and The Backlot Murders. Uh, Joey, played by Rodney Eastman. He, we saw him in Chopping Mall. He was one of the shoplifters in the beginning of the movie. Um, Starman, Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master, Beverly Hills, Body Snatchers, Murder, She Wrote, ER, Sliders, and the remake of I Spit on Your Grave. Taryn, played by Jennifer Rubin. She was in The Twilight Zone, The Doors, Tales from the Crypt, Beauty Rest. Uh, the Crush, Screamers, Little Witches, The Outer Limits, and the uh, the the Pulp Fiction parody, Plump Fiction. You guys remember that movie? <laughs> Unfortunately, I do not. Oh, <laughs> it's it's dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I'm gonna. Yeah, it's it's up there with Silence of the Hams. Yeah, so I was just gonna yeah. say it's the same level. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we have Philip, played by Bradley Gregg. He was in The Twilight Zone, Stand By Me, 21 Jump Street, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Madhouse, Fire in the Sky, Nightwatch, and a movie that I will get on here, even if I have to put it as my birthday pick next year, Class of 1999. I love that movie. Then we have Will, played by Ira Heaton. He was in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. He was in Zapped Again, the sequel oh, to Zapped. God, I forgot there was a sequel to that. So it's bad enough there was a first one. <laughs> Father of the Bride, Alias, and he did the voice for the mini Stay Puft Marshmallow Men in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh. Which I thought that was a little fun piece of trivia. I'm like, huh, I would have never pictured the dude from Dream, or from Dream Warriors doing the Stay Puft voices. But uh, then we have Jennifer, played by Penelope Sudro. She was in The Waltons, Amazing Stories, Dead Man Walking, After Midnight, and The Heart of No Place. Max, played by Lawrence Fishburne. There's one of our, our uh, big <clears> catches. <throat> Larry. <laughs> Larry Fishburne. I'm going to call him Lawrence. <laughs> but uh, he was in Apocalypse Now, Death Wish 2, The Color Purple, Cherry 2000, Pee Wee's Playhouse, Boys in the Hood, Higher Learning, Event Horizon, The Matrix movies, Predators, Contagion. The list goes on and on and on. He's even in the John Wick films. Like, he's he's in a lot of stuff. Great actor. Then another one of my personal favorites, we have Lieutenant Thompson, played by John Saxon. I, I freaking love this guy. Um, Enter the Dragon, Black Christmas, Gunsmoke, Battle Beyond the Stars, Tenebrae, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, My Mom's a Werewolf, Nightmare Beach, Murder, She Wrote, <laughs> New Nightmare from Dust Till Dawn. We've seen him in a bunch of stuff already. Then we have Dr. Elizabeth Sims, played by Priscilla Pointer. She was in Carrie, Mommy Dearest, The A-Team, Twilight Zone, The Movie, Blue Velvet, and Chud 2, Bud the Chud. Another movie I keep threatening to get on this show. And then, of course, we have Freddy Krueger himself, played by Robert Englund. And as I said last episode, I'm not going through his credits every single time we cover one of these movies. So, Why not? 
Because <laughs> you already know. <laughs> and if you're listening to the no, show, seriously, you... I, I don't know. Who is this guy? Yeah, well, you can look him up on IG. It's cool. <laughs> or you can listen to the previous episode when it comes out. So. Oh, you guys done other episodes before this? Crazy. <laughs> exactly. But uh, for anyone who has not seen this episode, or this uh, movie, <laughs> this entry, I should say. I, I wanted to say this entry into the franchise, and I said episode because I had episode on the brain. Um, but the basic plot is a psychiatrist familiar with the knife-wielding dream demon Freddy Krueger helps teens at a mental hospital battle the killer who is now invading their dreams. So, I mean, we find out really fucking quick that it's Nancy. You know, <laughs> So Nancy went on to help kids. Um, didn't go well for her, but we'll get there. So we open with the quote, sleep, those little slices of death, how I loathe them, from Edgar Allan Poe. As the opening credits roll, we see Kristen, one of our main characters, making a paper mache house and struggling to stay awake. I was we... very disappointed this was not cake. <laughs> <laughs> I was very disappointed to see her take a scoop of instant coffee and down <laughs> it with Coke. Like, that's <laughs> not how coffee works. <laughs> and that made me sick to my stomach thinking about that. I was like, Jesus Christ. Diet Coke is not what you need. You need regular Coke if you're going to do that. Yeah, get, you, you need sugar and caffeine, damn it. Yeah. But... Her mom comes home and chastises her for having her music up so loud as well as still being awake. Mom makes her get in bed and we find out that Kristen has been having awful nightmares for a while and seeing a therapist about them. Uh, who, of course, is telling her, get some sleep, because all the adults in these films tell their kids, get some sleep. Well, you know, she just wants Kristen to go to sleep so she doesn't have to hear mommy's sex moans. It, well, exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah, mom's That's really guest, what it is. Mom's guest hollers upstairs asking where the bourbon is. And mom tells Kristen to go to bed and get herself some rest. She's just trying to get her groove on, guys. Yeah, That's all. She, she just wants to have a little mommy time. Kristen, <laughs> go to fucking bed. <laughs> Stop cock blocking your mom. Yeah. So Kristen lays down to get some sleep and stares at the paper mache house. We finally get a good look at it and see that it's none other than 1428 Elm Street, Nancy Thompson's old house. But this one's all boarded up. This is something they don't really go into in the movie. But in the original script, the reason why Freddy keeps returning to this house, apparently they were going to have this whole concept of uh, that Fred, you know, Fred Krueger actually lived in that house at some point and he was murdering people in that house. So that's why when Nancy was living there, she was tormented by him. And then when Jesse was living there, he was tormented by him. So they, they were going to do this whole thing with the house and they just decided, ah, fuck it. And they dropped it. So. It, it is a little strange that these kids keep returning to Nancy's old house um, in the in the script we got because there's no real connection to Freddy other than, you know, he once tormented Nancy and Jesse there. Oh. But anywho, uh, suddenly Kristen wakes up and she's in her bed out in front of the boarded up house while a group of kids sing the all too familiar rhyme while playing in the yard. We see a little girl on a tricycle and uh, Kristen asks her what her name is. Kristen, or I'm sorry, she asked Kristen what her name is. Kristen tells her, and then she asks what the little girl's name is, and she just laughs and doesn't answer. We hear scratching, the scratching of claws on pipes, that very familiar scratch. And she says, I've got to go now, and she rides inside. Kristen yells for her to wait and follows inside the house. She eventually makes her way down to the boiler room where she finds the little girl, and who says, this is where he takes us. Kristen tells the girl they need to get out of there. Then the fire in the furnace kicks up and she says, Freddy's home. Um, now this little bullshit piece of trivia, a lot of people say this was the first film where he's referred to as Freddy. 
Because in the first two movies, they do call him Fred Krueger over and over again. But Freddie refers to himself as Freddie when he's chasing Nancy um, like in, in the dream in the first movie. And he's at the window with the Tina mask and he's talking like Tina. And he goes, save me from. And then he yanks the mask off and goes, Freddie. So it's oh. like, yeah, no, that's bullshit trivia, people. Like, I saw it repeated over and over again. This is the first time that they call him Freddie in the frame. I'm like, no, they don't. Damn it. I've had I've had that same argument with people, like, saying that he was never a child molester in the first one either. Oh, I was, yeah. I was like, uh, no, no, that I believe that is stated. Like, mm-hmm. I believe Nancy Nancy's mother states that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she says he, he was a dirty pedophile and a child killer. Yeah. So... Yeah, they don't they don't go into detail, but they do call him a pedophile. So, in fact, I, I think she says pedophile. <laughs> That's how she pronounces it. <laughs> but but yeah, it's like so. It, yeah, it, it's definitely backpedaled in the original, and and apparently the reason for that, and we might have mentioned this on the first episode or the first uh, nightmare movie episode. Um, the reason it was soft pedaled is because at the time there was this huge scandal that came out of a daycare where the people who worked there were apparently systematically uh, molesting and abusing these children. And it was this, this huge thing in like 1985. So everyone was like, uh, we can't put this out the way it is. Like, apparently there was a lot more dialogue talking about him being a child molester. Um, so they, they pulled that out, which is why when they went to the remake with, that's why they pumped that up. And they were like, this is what he was originally supposed to be. Like, you weren't supposed to be like, hey, Freddy's cool. I'm going to buy his pajamas. <laughs> like, no, he's <laughs> supposed to be like this most vile, demonic motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, you can buy his pajamas, but it's going to be creepy. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's a little strange. Yeah, like, it what? is kind of, if you really think about it, it is kind of weird that there's kitty pajamas. Oh, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it was the 80s and everybody in marketing was coked out of their mind. And I mean, they were marketing stuff like Police Academy, RoboCop and Predator at kids. So, I mean, they were like, kids will buy toys in this. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so, yeah, Kristen grabs the girl and runs through the house. We see Freddie chasing behind her and we get the all too familiar feet getting stuck in a tar like substance where she can't move. Uh, she manages to escape right as Freddy goes to swipe at her and misses. Let's not he, to mention she is holding like the world's fakest baby. Oh yeah, it's it's <laughs> totally like this little little doll of a kid. And she ends up running into a room filled with hanging corpses and panics. And then we see we hear the little girl go, "Put me down! You're hurting me!" And she <laughs> looks down and sees she's holding a charred skeleton. <laughs> now, have you guys ever seen the original animatronic that was supposed to be used in that scene? No. I bet you I have, but I I can't remember. Like I said, I used to be a walking knowledge of this these it's, movies. Oh my god, it is fucking horrific. Like if you get a chance to watch uh, Never Sleep Again, they show what the animatronic was, and uh, apparently the, the I forget the effects artist, but the guy who made it, he said that uh, Chuck Russell originally said like when he goes, well, what do you want for this scene? He goes, he told me two words. He said, think Auschwitz, and it was like, oh. So he made this emaciated, like, like on death's door looking little kid, like animatronic puppet. And it was so unsettling and so unnerving. And it really is. It's creepy looking. Um, but Chuck Russell and the producers were like, we can't put this in the movie. Like, this is too upsetting. Is it as unsettling as the Twilight baby? 
<laughs> I can honestly say I have not seen the Twilight oh, movies, any of them. I, I have never seen it, but I've seen pictures of that baby. <laughs> <laughs> I I have avoided that franchise like the fucking plague. <laughs> that baby's fucking creepy looking, I'm just saying. Go once, to, yeah, yeah once you gotta I heard just look it up. <laughs> there were Twilight fanatics that were buying sparkly dildos and putting them in the freezer so they would be cold to the touch. I was like, I don't want anything to do with this creepy ass franchise. Uh, well, at least it's not igluing, but okay. Oh no! Come on. <laughs> See now, I'm gonna go on record and say that I think that igluing is just as much of a made up internet thing as the friggin' raspberry swirl. <laughs> I don't think anybody out there is giving a raspberry swirl to anybody, and I don't think anyone out there is actually igluing. <laughs> I mean, it's rule thirty four. Someone out there thought it up and put it on the internet. But they put it on the internet for that specific reason. You know what I love is right now you've got like probably half your listeners going, what the fuck is igluing? <laughs> and you know, the funny thing about this is like, I, I'm not going to explain it because nope. then they have to Google search, <laughs> safe search off. Um, I am just, just going to warn you guys. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's very disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Again, thank you, TikTok. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. See, now that's one of the ones I did not hear on TikTok. I first heard about it on Instagram because someone made a comment on one of the artists that I follow, one of their posts. They got into a conversation about iglooing, and I'm like, what the fuck is iglooing? So I looked it up, and I was like, oh, God, why did yeah. I look this up? So, yeah. yeah. T- t- take it from me, folks. It's it's not worth looking up. Maurice, uh, do you know? I, I've heard of it. I... Okay, don't do it, Maurice. Don't do it. <clears throat> Get, we'll tell you, we'll tell you off air. I don't play. I know what it is. (laughs) I was going to say, keep your innocence, but you know, you already found out. So (laughs) you're just like a scarred, but, uh, (laughs) where were we? Uh, (laughs) the the charred skeleton. So she, she screams and wakes up. She goes into the bathroom to get a drink of water. And as soon as she goes to turn on the faucet, the knob grabs a hold of her like a hand. She screams and sees Freddie laughing at her in the mirror. The other knob grows claws and slashes her wrist open. Kristen's mom comes into the room to fi- to see what the hell's going on, and she finds Kristen standing there with her wrist slashed open, holding a razor blade. She looks at her mother and faints. Hold on one sec. Oh, I had to sneeze really bad. This weather is kicking my ass, man. Can I it's just... Like... Oh, I was going to say, I love the practical use in the in, in this movie, by the way. Oh, but yeah. No, the practical I know I interrupted practical you there. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I was just bitching. Uh, <laughs> stupid allergy season. But uh, but no, the, the effects are gorgeous in this movie. And it, it, again, watching the uh, the documentary on it, they, they don't like everybody bitches about how all of the budget went to the effects department. Like, good. Like, I no, know. that's good. The only thing like that is fucking stupid as hell. But it's it works is that stupid. Hey, here's a skeleton in front of a projector of Neil crawling on the ground <laughs> at the end of the movie. But yeah. that's like it. Like, everything so, but- else is pretty awesome. The Ray Harryhausen effect? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still, you know, I'm still pissed at NECA for never releasing a Freddy skeleton figure. I'm like, come on, guys. You totally could have done it. But so, uh, yeah, she, her, like I said, her mom comes in and she faints. Smash cut to the Weston Hills Psychiatric Hospital, where we meet some more of our cast. We meet Max the Orderly. Um, he'll ask you to take out the red or blue pill. Um, Dr. Neil Gordon. <laughs> I thought that was the other guy, but okay. Oh no, he'll, he'll force you to take either the red or blue pill. 
Uh, Dr. Neil Gordon, one of the doctors who's helping to treat the teens in the facility, and he's kind of our main character throughout the movie. He's like our audience member, where it's like he's being shown the world of Freddy and kind of being forced to deal with it. Like he knows nothing about it. He's the outsider coming in. Uh, but he's taking care of all these different teens who have various sleep disorders. So we meet Taryn. We find out she's an ex-drug addict. Uh, Jennifer, a Hollywood-obsessed teen who burns herself with cigarettes to stay awake. Philip, an artist who likes marionettes and is a sleepwalker, which will come into play later. Uh, Kincaid, the quiet kid with anger issues. And, of course, we have also Dr. Elizabeth Sims, one of the head doctors in the facility. Uh, we also get two bits of info here. There's a news report talking about two more teens committing suicide. And Max and Neil talk about how, like, the way Max and Neil are talking about it. We can infer that this has been happening a lot in Springwood. So this is another commentary that they were making on modern society at the time. If I'm sure you guys remember in the 80s, there was like a spat of movies about teenage suicide because it was happening so frequently. Teenage um, suicide, don't do it. Exactly. I was going to say <laughs> Heathers has burned that into our memories for life. Um but yeah, no, it, it was it was a pretty big thing. I remember hearing about it a lot as a kid. So this was this was them commenting on it that. It was all because of the heavy metal music. No, oh, yeah, it was all it was all that Ozzy and Alice Cooper just making everyone, you know, no. Dokken really got some people. <laughs> <laughs> the Dream Warrior. Um, real quick question: was was Joey standing in this hallway too at one point? We see him in a moment. I was going to say because I have a note about something on joey it's <laughs> something about joey uh, oh the the, the uh, teardrop drawn in ink yeah and then never <laughs> brought up <laughs> yeah he's just he's, it's cool if i do the crybaby thing <laughs> but <laughs> um we also find out there's a new doctor fresh out of school coming to uh coming on board and um who's been apparently doing breaking research on pattern nightmares something neil is none too happy with as he feels that the newbie may care more about getting published than helping the kids Suddenly, both Gordon and Sims are paged to the examination room stat. We see Kristen is there and freaking the fuck out because they attempted to sedate her. I love this. She kicks Gordon in the dick and slices Max in the arm with a scalpel. She kicks hard. It's like, damn, he goes down. Oh, yeah. No, she, she drops his ass. <laughs> yeah. It's like, boom, fuck off, bitch. I, I don't mean, know you. To be honest, if you get hit, like, if you get kicked full-on, like, heel to the dick, you're going down. Like, I'm sorry. That's going to hurt. But, yeah, so I don't blame him for falling like that. No. <laughs> but So she backs into the corner, brandishing a scalpel uh, at, the, at the group, and begins to cry and sing, five, six, grab your crucifix, seven, eight, better stay up late, nine, ten. Then she pauses and goes, never, never. And then we cut to the doorway where we see Nancy Thompson, who says, never sleep again. Nancy approaches Kristen, asks, where did you learn that rhyme, and takes the scalpel from her hands as Kristen hugs her, leaving the rest of the staff completely miffed. They're like, what the fuck just happened? I mean, um, she doesn't explain it. Like, no, like where'd just, you learn that? Oh, yep, nope, just gonna give you a hug. Like, all right. <laughs> Crazy girl hugging me. Okay. <laughs> but we cut to later that day, we see Neil and Nancy walking and talking about the kids. Neil explains how they all have some form of sleep issue, everything from insomnia to narcolepsy to bedwetting. He goes on to tell her that they all seem to share a group delusion, a boogeyman of sorts. Um, and they're so traumatized that they'll do almost anything to stay awake. And she goes, anything? And he goes, we had we lost one kid last year. Um, he said that he cut off his own eyelids to stay awake. So I was like, ugh, that's fucking gnarly. 
But Nancy tells him that she needs to get going. And as she w- goes to get up, she drops her purse and her meds spill out. And Neil goes, he's like, oh, here, let me help you. And being the nosy fuck he is, he just starts reading the bottle. <laughs> and yeah, we fuck s- you, Neil. <laughs> exactly. We see it's hypnosil. More on that later. So she thanks him and leaves. Neil says his goodbyes and turns to see a nun standing in a crowd of people watching him. Ooh, mystery nun. (laughs) Spoopy nun all in white. Spoopy. (laughs) And a few people move in front of her, blocking her from Neil's sight. Just like that, she's gone. The next day, Max shows Nancy around the facility and introduces her to some of the kids. Uh, We meet Philip and Kincaid. We see Philip's puppets. And uh, he mentions how they should be carved out of wood, but, you know, instead of clay... He goes, but they won't give me a knife. They're afraid that, you know, I might. And he makes a slitting his wrist motion. Kincaid being, you know, just quiet kid. Um, We also meet Joey, the mute, who's all horned up for Nurse Marcy. (laughs) That'll be important later. Mm, With a random teardrop on his face. (laughs) I think Kincaid is more likely to stab someone else than himself. Yeah, no, I I feel like if they gave the the two of them, like if they had uh, knives in that room, I think Kincaid would use it to stab somebody. Mm Mm-hmm. Or but, everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, little side note, did you, did you guys ever see how, how Ken Sagos uh, got the part? No. Yep. He told the director <laughs> to fuck off because yep. he had to wait so long. He he flipped out. It's it's hilarious. There's an interview with him on, on the documentary where he talks about how he read the, the script and it was like, you know, this buff, bald-headed, you know, quiet dude. And he's like, that ain't me. He's like, I'm, I'm chubby. I don't look like this. And the, his his agent convinced him anyway to go to the, the audition. Yeah, because he, he didn't want to do the audition. Yeah, because he was like, I don't fit the role. And then he had to, like, jump two buses to to get to where he needed to be. And it was raining out, and it was just n- a nasty, miserable day. And then he had to sit there and wait in the office for a while. And when he finally got into the office, they were like, okay, do whatever you want to do. And he goes, fuck you! And just started, like, flipping out. <laughs> and, like, started motherfucking the director. And he was like, you're hired! <laughs> which i i love that i think that's hilarious hey, if it fucking works do it <laughs> exactly <laughs> but yeah so we see the thing with joey where he's watching nurse marcy she uh drops some towels and he runs over to help before Vinny the mook comes over to help her <laughs> that, that guy's like hey what you doing Marcy? hey you going to ward c let's go i'll walk you there <laughs> come on Marcy. <laughs> Oh, uh, but then we we cut to Nancy at Kristen's house trying to talk to her mother about Kristen's history with nightmares. And of course, her mom is less than helpful. She's like, oh, she's doing it for attention. <laughs> like, OK. Um, Nancy needs to pick up a few of her things. So she tells her she'll go and she'll go and get them from her room and then she'll take them to the hospital. I was going to say, mom calls for like the maid. Like, yeah. why does that house have a maid? Right. Like, it doesn't look like that big of a house. It was, and I forget the the maid's name too, but it was something stereotypical like Consuela. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, so Nancy goes up to Kristen's bedroom and gets some of her things and she notices the paper mache house of her old house. Uh, so confirming for Nancy that Freddie is involved. We cut to Neil at home looking up Hypnosil on some sweet 1980s (gasps) internet. Mm, The internet before AOL. When you had to like put the phone on a thing. <laughs> that that was your modem. Yeah, you put the yeah. handset. Yeah, this this was this was weird science internet. <laughs> this this is war games internet. Yeah. yeah. 
But we see uh, it lists hypnosil. It says FDA classification, experimental, effective for management of psychotic disorders, for sedation where dreamless sleep is considered optimal, uh, suppression of night terrors. So he basically figures out like, oh, okay, so she's clearly having some sleep issues as well. We now cut to Kristen in a bed at the hospital. She's sketching Nancy's old house, trying to fight sleep. Slowly, the door creaks open and a tricycle rides in the room, trailing blood behind it and begins melting. The sound of screaming children can be heard. Kristen backs out of the room. The bedroom door slams shut to reveal that she's back in the house. She's in 1428 Elm Street. This whole fucking sequence, when I was a kid, it scared the shit out of me. It still gives me the creeps as an adult. Something about the melting tricycle with the children screaming, just eerie to me. But the idea of like backing into the room and suddenly you're in a completely different place. I'm like, I don't like any of that. That freaked me out. It's like, Ugh. that's but, not the part of the sequence that freaks me out. Oh, there's several scenes, <laughs> sequence parts in the sequence, but just the concept of like, you don't know, like I, the thing that always gets me with the Freddy movies is you never know if you're awake or asleep. And I was like, that is such a creepy idea to me. Cause it's like, you don't know if you're safe. But she finds herself locked in and has no choice but to venture further into the house. Uh, we get the roasted pig jump scare, <laughs> which, oh, my That's God, the... that thing, it looks so fucking gnarly because it's actually a real rotted roasted pig. Like, they decided it would be much cheaper to buy a whole pig instead of making one. Um, then they roasted it and let it rot. So <laughs> then they had to draw straws under who, who had to get under the table and puppeteer the damn thing. <laughs> This is where I'm assuming, like, this is supposed to be actually Freddy's house and not Nancy's house. Because mm -hmm. if we remember at both Nancy and Jesse's house, this is the living room, mm -hmm. not the dining room, bitches. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Though I know it, like, stay. I believe it stays the dining room after this, to be honest. Because isn't there a whole thing with Jacob and, and Dream Child where he's in the dining room? I, can't I, be I believe so. I know they also... Was it? No, I mean, I think it is part five. Yeah, never mind. I was thinking part six had something to do with it, but I don't think part six has anything to do with this house. Somebody, I think, falls through it. That's right. Falls through the table or something. I can't remember. Yeah, there's there's something. Yeah. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll find out when we get there. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll be on those, too. Who knows? Uh, who knows? No, just joking. Uh, who knows? Let's go on. <laughs> so, pig. Pig but jump yeah, scare. Yeah, we, we get Boom. the pig. The pig jump scare, and then she goes into the next room where we get the killer penis Freddy or worm Freddy or whatever. It's a giant penis. Was this that, in... that... Go ahead. That was terrible looking. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that always scared. That's what scared the shit out of me as a child. Oh, yeah. No, no. It's yeah. scary. It is yeah. very free. The, the idea of anything that is big enough that wants to eat you is always freaky in a horror sense. That yeah, but, at this time in my life when I saw this movie, I was already fucking scared of Freddy Krueger. Right. Like, so having that show up, you know, is having, kind of like fuck off. Um, <laughs> the idea of, of you? A snake Freddy that wants to eat you. Right. But is this and and I and I know you just did. I know you guys did a raise by Reynolds of this. Uh, was this referenced in the, the Nintendo game? The, the, that uh, snake head. Oh, man, it's been so long since I played the Nintendo game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, but I don't remember it. I, I, 
All I, I remember are giant claws coming out of the ground and you running through the house, but I don't remember much. Well, there <laughs> there were several different Freddy fights, and I mean, you did fight snakes. There were literally like snakes and bats. As Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe I'm um, just thinking of just giant snakes or something. I don't remember. But no, actually, the funny thing is they're like regular size snakes that you just punch in the face, which is oh, hilarious maybe. to me because um, <laughs> it's like you're just you're this regular kid just punching the fuck out of snakes. But uh, but no, there there is a, a fight scene where it's a giant Freddy claw. Uh, there's definitely a fight scene where it's Freddy himself, like he's just running back and forth in a boiler room. And I want to say there's one where it's a floating Freddy head. But it's I been think I remember floating time. Freddy head. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know. I just I for some reason I thought this like ended up being referenced in a video game too for some reason it may I mean, have but not it, the it, one I have it probably <laughs> was but uh, I mean because Nightmare Three like I said that's the pop culture one that's where like all the video games started because the Commodore right. sixty four one straight up covers stuff from Part Three um, like the 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 evil wheelchairs from later in the movie they chase you around in part in, in the Commodore sixty four game but um, anyway so yeah the Freddy worm pops up grabs Kristen by the feet starts swallowing her. Um, you know, she screams and calls out for Nancy, who is asleep in her apartment. Nancy wakes up and looks around. She hears the muffled screams call out for call her name again. And we see the voices coming from the paper mache house. She gets woozy and falls backward into her chair and disappears, falling through the chair and then out of a mirror into the room where Freddie, where Freddie Peen is eating Kristen. (laughs) 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 Freddie, like, is that Bert too? Do you think? Oh, I get Never it. Never mind. <laughs> you think that just fell off? It, like, it, it was so burnt, it just fell off. I mean, if, <laughs> if you look at any of the Merkins videos, he's got a hot, a burnt hot dog down there. So That's true. That is true. <laughs> I forgot. Um, but, so, you know, she she basically grabs a, a shard of glass and quickly runs over and stabs Freddie Weenus in the eye. Um, Fre- Freddie barfs up Kristen and rears back, looking at Nancy with his one good eye and says, You... Which, as a kid, that scene had me shitting myself. <laughs> that the look on that animatronic Freddy head's face like freaked me the fuck out. Because they did it so well. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's well, just it, so good. He's just as surprised as we are that she's still alive. <laughs> he's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it's it's like seriously. I would have not if if I didn't know that was animatronics. I would have really thought that was Robert England like standing yeah. there. Doing yeah, that. it was it was really good. The effects in this movie are fantastic, but the the two of them run run out of the door and slam it shut. Freddie pounds on the door as Nancy tells Kristen they need to get or she needs to get him out of there. Suddenly the door bursts right as they they disappear. Nancy wakes up in her apartment again, only to see that she has a cut on her hand where she held the glass. So just like in the first movie, she's pulling shit out of her dreams. The next day, Nancy goes to talk to Kristen about what happened, asking how long she's had the gift to pull others into her dreams. Kristen explains that when she had nightmares as a kid, she would bring her dad in and the nightmares would get better. Then the next day, he would tell her about the dreams, thinking that they were his dreams. Uh, But her ability to pull people into her dreams stopped when she was a kid after her parents got divorced. Nancy also explains that she used to live in that house that they dreamt about. So she's trying to figure out, like, what's the connection? Cut to the group session with uh, Doctors Neil and Sims. Nancy, Joey, Kincaid, Jennifer, Kristen, Taryn, Philip, and uh, the only kid that we haven't met from our main cast yet, Will. So it's a kid in the wheelchair. These During... are, I'm sorry, these are my favorite Elm Street kids. I'm oh, going to yeah. say it right now. These are my favorites. Out oh, of all absolutely. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't really care for, like, four and five. I know they're fan favorites. Like, I know people love those movies. I'm not a big fan of part four and five. 
But it's like literally like like one from this one, two from that one. You know, it's right. It's like like yeah, but no, all of these kids I love. Like all of these. Yeah, <laughs> I I think part three definitely has the best cast. I really like part six's cast as well. I think, uh, but I mean, at that point, it's fucking Looney Tunes. Yeah, at that point, it's like, hey, here's Roseanne. Yeah, Roseanne uh, <laughs> and Tom Arnold. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so we we meet the whole cast during this little session. We get some insight into their characters, like how Will became paralyzed from the waist down because he tried to commit suicide. It doesn't didn't tell us what he jumped off of, but he jumped off of something and lived. His roof. Uh, I bet you it's his roof. It was like the boy who could fly. <laughs> right. Um. Taryn was a drug addict who was uh, who basically was taken into the hospital instead of juvenile hall because that was her other option. Um, Jennifer wants to move to Los Angeles and try to become an actress, but clearly is having some issues. Uh, Philip mentions how the hospital seems to think that their dreams are a mass psychosis, but none of them are willing to acknowledge the fact that they all dream about the same guy and they they and they were dreaming about him before they ever met. So how could it be a mass psychosis? Sims tells them that they'll make no progress until they face what their dreams really are. The byproducts of guilt. Psychological scars stemming from moral conflicts and overt sexuality. I love Kincaid's response because he's like, oh great, now it's my dick that's killing me. (laughs) It's one of my favorite lines. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So that night we see Taryn, Will, and Joey playing Dungeons, Dungeons, and more Dungeons. Um, (laughs) The knockoff Dungeons and Dragons. But... (laughs) Max comes in and tells him it's time to or time for lights out and gets the kids ready for bed. Do you get a feeling like they've lured Max into one too many of these games too? Oh, <laughs> like, hey, oh Max, yeah. Max, you gotta come play with us. Come on, Max. Come on, come on, Max. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. It's no, lights it's, out. Guys, time for bed. Time <laughs> yeah. for bed right now. <laughs> I, I want to take my break. <laughs> I don't want to be no orc. Time for bed. <laughs> right. So he gets the kids ready for bed. After Max leaves, Will and Joey have a bit of an argument about who's going to stay uh, stand watch first. Will argues that he did it last time, so it's Joey's turn. Joey agrees, and Will reminds him that if he makes even the slightest whimper to wake him up. So we, so Joey goes and sits in a uh, chair across the room by the window and watches Will as he sleeps. Cut to Neil and Nancy out for Thai food. They have a bit of a chat about their parents. Nancy tells them that her mother died in her sleep and that her father, uh, that her and her father's relationship was strained after that. So you, she, she done lied about that sleep death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the conversation turns to the kids and she tells the, uh, I'm sorry. She, she tells them that the patients are in real physical danger from their dreams. She explains that she understands what they're going through as she used to be just like them and suggests using hypnosil to stop their dreams. Something Neil is having no part of. He tells her that uh, he's not prescribing an experimental drug to a bunch of suicidal teenagers and tells her that she has no business taking a dream suppression herself because that's nothing to play with. I was like, I mean, is there really that many studies on dream suppression? I'm, I'm curious. Like, are it feels there like any? a very... <laughs> oh, well, I know there are studies on like people who don't have dreams, but I, I'm curious if there's any kind of, you know, any kind of thing that's like, oh, it's dangerous to have dream suppression. So something I meant to look up before this episode, but I forgot. I, you know what? There's a whole X Files episode where they don't sleep. Mm-hmm. Like people take drugs where they don't sleep. We could somehow hook that's a race by Reynolds right there. Hook this movie to that that episode. <laughs> there you go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so back at the hospital, we see Philip and Kincaid asleep in their rooms. One of Philip's marionettes hanging on the wall comes to life and turns into the Freddy puppet and cuts its strings. As a seven year old watching oh. this movie, 
Holy hell, that was pure nightmare fuel. That like like if you weren't so already bad. like scared of the clown from Poltergeist. Uh huh. <laughs> this that that fucking got you. Yeah. If, if but you I will readily admit, like I love this whole sequence. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I I I love the. Uh, I think it was McFarland. Yeah, it was McFarland toys. They did a, um, a a mini Freddy marionette that came with one of their figures. Great, cool little accessory. There was a company that did a recreation of the Freddy marionette. And I was ready to buy it. And then I got scared. And I'm like, I just <laughs> put that in my house. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, you like, know what? I don't blame you. I'm like, I, I don't think I really need that I, in my house. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, that's why I, like, I don't get people who go out and buy good guy dolls. Yeah. Why do you need all those? Or the actual oh. transforming lament configurations. Like, I have the little, like, stash box lament configuration that right. came out in the 80s. But... The ones that actually, like, I, I know, Omei, I know you have one of these, but, like, the ones that fully transform, they, they scare me. <laughs> like, I have that phantasm ball sitting downstairs, but I make sure I keep a fucking eye on it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I got <laughs> one of those, got, too. And it's got things covering all the shit, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we don't need any of those flying around. No, no, no. sentence. No it is still in the box, and the things that poke out have styrofoam on the end of them. All right? Yep. We're going to leave it that way. Mine as well. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so th this scene used to, to scare the shit out of me. So the puppet grows into the full-blown Freddy and slashes Philip's arms and legs open. He then magically pulls his veins out and puppeteers him like a marionette, oh, forcing him to walk out of the room. It is a great effect. Like, it looks so fucking cool. But I love it. Kincaid wakes up and sees Philip sleepwalking. He, she goes, Philip, Philip. He goes, well, have a nice stroll, asshole. <laughs> it goes back to bed. <laughs> Now, this this is the one part I truly don't understand. There's a few parts like this, but all right, we see Philip walking down the hall. We see the nurse at the end of the hall. She doesn't notice him, but he magically passes through a locked door. Like, yeah. I get it that Freddy has power over him, but how is he affecting the real world here? <clears throat> like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, it would have made more sense if, like, the door opened, Philip walked through, and then it closed and relocked. Like that I get, but having him just like meld through it, it's okay. kind of like in part six when, uh, what's his name? Just like invisibly walks upstairs. They're not there. Oh yeah. I get what you're saying there. It's yeah. No, strange. I think what it is, is this goes back to Freddy versus Jason where he gets Jason to somehow cut a hole in the door. He walks through <laughs> and then he welds it back up. And like then an he welds it back up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. But, <laughs> So we cut to Joey sitting uh, sitting in his room by the window, and he looks up and sees Philip standing in the window or standing in a window across the courtyard of this big tower, looking like he's going to jump. He wakes up Will and and uh, you know shows him what's going on, and then runs down the hall trying to wake up people and warn them about Philip. All the kids go to the window and scream for him to stop. We see that uh, what we see what Philip sees, and it's a giant fucking Freddy standing over the hospital, puppeteering him with his fingers and laughing. Freddy slashes the veins and Philip falls to his death as the kids watch. Very gnarly scene. I'm sorry, but if the mute kid comes running out panicking. Yeah, don't do you something. Think, right? Like doctors, you nurse, he like he goes to the nurse and she's like, What's wrong? Yeah. What what are, what are you he saying, Lassie? <laughs> it was Timmy fell down the well. What's going on? Oh, yeah, that, that nurse annoyed the shit out of me. But we smash cut to the next day. 
We see the doctors are trying to convince the kids that it was a sleepwalking accident and nothing more. Will tells them that he could see Philip's face and that he was awake the whole way down. Neil tells him that it was suicide then, that he gave up. The kids continue to argue, telling the doctors that it was murder. Sims has enough of this talk and tells them that they'll be instituting a new policy. Their doors will be locked after lights out to avoid any further incidents, and they will each be given sedation to help them sleep. So once again, it's the, you know, oh, you kids are afraid of your dreams here. We're going to drug you. Like every adult in this franchise. And obviously we've already learned locked doors don't work since they can right. just walk right through them. They can just magic <laughs> through them. And they even mention later, how did he get into a locked ward? Like Neil, yeah. Neil mentions that. So it's like, really, you guys are, you guys are just like, oh yeah, he committed suicide. He jumped like motherfucker. There's some mystery here, <laughs> like, but Kincaid freaks out, threatening to kick the ass of anyone who tries to put him to sleep. Sims calls for the orderlies, and they tell Kincaid that he just bought himself a night in the quiet room as the men take him away. Nancy tells Sims that by sedating the patient, she's making them powerless against their dreams. Something Sims thinks is a good thing, uh, so these kids can get some good, uninterrupted sleep. Well, that's, you know, why not? I, like, I, I, I need some good, uninterrupted sleep, but that ain't fucking happening either. But. Well. <laughs> There, there, there's a there's a magic brownie that helps with that. These kids uh, are lucky, all right? <laughs> but Neil then tells her that he's prescribing Hypnocell and he wants these dreams stopped. Sims looks at him like he's crazy and tells him that she won't allow it. He tells her that they're his patients and he'll go straight to the boss <clears throat> who will either accept his resignation or back his decision. Sims agrees, but tells him if anything goes wrong, she'll make sure that he's fully responsible. Sims storms off as Neil turns to Nancy, telling her, I hope you know what you're do or what you're getting us into. So that's where act one ends. What are you guys thinking at this point? Uh, I'm thinking we've had one cool death already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm waiting to see what the other cool deaths are at this point. But, you know, <laughs> because I've seen it a million times, I already know. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's impressive as hell that by the 30 minute mark, we've already seen three separate Freddy scenes and some crazy fucking effects and killed a kid yeah <laughs> so it's like damn this movie did not waste time 30 minutes in lots of cool effects and one of the kids is gone <laughs> what about you reese what, what do you think at this point uh i'm just trying to figure out where things are going yeah and, figure out who find out you know thinking about who's gonna die next so you know it's gonna i mean i've seen it a hundred times but just out of curiosity did you see this when you were a kid or when you were an adult no when i was in the my teens. Oh, okay. I was like, cause uh, I was, I was curious if any of these particular scenes freaked you out. <laughs> cause I know me and Don are kind of on the same page with the yeah. Freddie snake and the Freddie Mary. I, I want to say like, cause here's what I'm, I just, I have a distinct memory of when I saw the first nightmare on Elm street. Like same, like I have a distinct, I remember walking into my brother's room. It was on his television. So it had to be even like two, th like 19, like 86. It probably had to be, way beyond not way beyond but a few years after it was released and i remember walking in and seeing johnny depp get pulled through that bed and it fucking freaked me out all right see now i saw the first one uh soon after it came out on video we we rented it as a family we used to watch yeah. horror movies all yep. the time and um scared the shit out of me and then of course part two same thing but i watched that one at a sleepover for the first time and uh, part three, I actually got to see in the theater. Both of my parents took me, my brother, and my sister to the frickin' Four Seasons <laughs> when that was still a thing. 
to see Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and it scared the shit out of me. The only one, I never saw any, well, I saw New Nightmare, and I saw Freddy vs. Jason in the theater, but, like, I never saw any of the other ones for some reason. I don't know why. I saw 3, 4, and 5 in the theater as a kid. I never got to see part 6. I was so bummed because I didn't get to see the 3D. Um, And then I I didn't get to see New Nightmare. New Nightmare kind of flew under my radar, like, at that point, I wasn't really watching a lot of horror movies anymore. I was watching a lot more like action movies and like kung fu flicks. Um, kind of fell out of the the horror craze for a little while. And um, I remember my sister rented it, and I like I fucking loved it. I was like, oh my god, this is so good. <laughs> so then I was like, all right, I'm back in. What I remember about me watching New Nightmare, uh, it was me and like one six year old woman in that theater. Because she came in, she's like, I love Fred. Like, she was talking to me. She's like, I love Freddy Krueger movies. I love these. I can't wait for this one. I'm like, awesome. And she actually sat by me because I think she realized, like, I was a little nervous. (laughs) (laughs) There's only been a few horror movies that I've been, like, one of the only people in the theater. But the one that sticks out in my mind as, like, being kind of creepy because I was pretty much alone was Silent Hill Revelations because nobody wanted to see that fucking movie. Um, and it was me sitting in the theater with the 3d glasses on and one random guy sitting like three rows behind me, breathing heavily. <laughs> like, uh, is he okay? <laughs> uh, uh, so you, ha- you had my men interactive experience. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> like, well, like I- why is there a guy two, three, four seats away from me? I'm trying to watch this movie. Uh, <laughs> I, to, to be fair, I think his breathing heavy was because he had some sort of physical issues. He's a, he was a very large man and looked like it was or, hard for him to move. Or was it something else? Uh, well, he may have been having <laughs> physical issues doing that. So. Mm, we got off track again. Guys. I mean, those, <laughs> those those mannequins in that movie are a little like scantily clad. So, you know, anyway. Um, we got off track. Again. <clears throat> uh, yeah. So overall, <laughs> I, I love the first the first half of the movie. Fantastic effects. Great scenes. And we'll jump right into act two here. So. The night we see Kincaid, uh, Kincaid in the quiet room singing to himself to stay awake. Um, then we cut to Jennifer in the TV room watching Critters. <laughs> I was like, God, that would put me to sleep. Like, you're trying to stay awake watching that? And Max comes in and tells her it's lights out and that if Sim catches her in there, it'll be his ass. She begs him to let her stay, telling him that she can't handle the nightmares. Not tonight, not after Philip. Max agrees and tells her, I never saw you and leaves her to watch TV. Side note, look at how small that fucking television is and how far she's sitting from it. Like, <laughs> how the that's, hell could you see anything? That's the 80s, man. That was the fucking 80s. That was a big TV. But see, I don't, I don't <laughs> that ever wasn't remember. In, that wasn't in a wooden box, is what right. I was saying. But I don't ever remember sitting that far from the television. Like, she was all the way on the other side of the room. I'm like, damn. Well, yeah, but you also you weren't in the hospital though either. Yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> but you feel I feel like the furniture would be pushed closer to the television. <laughs> uh, no, they're pretty. Well, they had to make room for all those kids. Like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, you can't just have Jennifer sitting. If it was just her all the time, okay, I understand. <laughs> see, if I were her, I would have grabbed one of those chairs and set it right next to the television. <laughs> like I can't see. I'm old. Well. At this point, now she has to be close to the cigarettes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, good point. Yeah. But, so. Because that was a thing in, the, in all mental hospitals. They encouraged you to smoke. Oh, well, Maurice, you, you can attest to that back when you used to work in psychiatric. Like, uh, all the people who wanted their smoke break. Yeah. 
then they got rid of it. Yeah, which caused was... plenty of issues. Yep. And more ways than one. Mm-hmm. Uh... <laughs> but so we see her uh, watching television and then we cut outside to Vinny the Mook taunting Taryn with drugs. He's uh, he's like, oh, I pulled the night shift and I got the key to the pharmacy. He's like, clean pharmaceutical high. He says he says club meth, and I wrote, yeah. was was meth even a thing in the eighties? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it must have been. It must have been, but like, I don't remember hearing about that until like the two thousands. Well, I think that the the thing we know of meth is crystal meth. That's true. Instead of just methamphetamines. Right. <laughs> but um. So, yeah, so Taryn gets pissed off and, you know, she's like, leave me alone. I don't do that shit anymore. And he gra- or she goes, I don't do that shit. And he grabs her arm and we see the track marks. And he goes, yeah, what's these? And she goes, ancient history. And she walks away from him. That'll come back later. But we see Jennifer struggling to stay awake. So, of course, she lights a cigarette and burns herself with it. Yeah, that'll that'll do the trick. Mm-hmm. She, it's supposed uh, to, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been burned by a cigarette. That shit hurts. It'll wake you up. Um, but she flicks through the channels and ends up watching the Dick Cavett show where he's talking with good old Zsa Zsa Gabor. You know how much <laughs> I love the fact that they were able to get Dick Cavett and Zsa Zsa Gabor just to make two stupid little cameos in this mm-hmm. movie. Well, and do you know I the history of it? No, you know, go for it. Okay, so when they got Dick Cavett, they, they basically, I forget who they had uh, lined up, but it was somebody else, a different actress that they had lined up. And he goes, you know... If, if I could pick, he's like, and if I could pick anyone uh, to, ha- to to be killed, it would be Zsa Zsa Gabor. He's like, I can't stand her. I would never have her on my show. But if I'm going to have someone get killed by Freddy Krueger, it should be her. So they were like, all right. They reached out to Zsa Zsa Gabor, and she agreed. I'm sure they probably didn't tell her, hey, Dick Cavett wants to see you dead. <laughs> I, literally, I literally just had to look up to see if Dick, Dick Cavett was still alive. He is, according yep. to this. <laughs> He's an old so man. Good. Thank you, Dick Cavett. Thank you for still being around. <laughs> but I love it because he go he he turns to Jaja and he goes, "Can I ask you something?" And she goes, "Oh, sure, darling, go ahead." <laughs> he turns into Freddy and yells, "Who gives a fuck what you think?" And then slashes it slashes at her as the screen goes staticky and we hear screaming. Um. So then we hear like the the screams turn into like a little bit of singing and we hear the Freddy song. You know, the one, two, yada yada yada. Um. Jennifer walks up to the television, smacks the sides, and suddenly Robo Freddy arms burst out of the sides and grab her up off the ground as Freddy's head stretches out of the TV. I love the little fucking antenna on top of his head. It's just, it's (laughs) wiggling back and forth. Like, it looks like two little bug antenna. (laughs) And now we get the best kill, or one of the best kills in the entire franchise. No, it is. Sorry, no, it is the best kill in the entire franchise. and, And one of the best lines. Oh, yeah. yeah. Welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Which was actually an improv. But see, now I'll, I'll, I'll argue with you, Don. This is the best comical death in the entire franchise. No, I still say it's the best. <laughs> for me, the best death will always be um, Tina's death in the first nightmare because it is so fucking terrifying. Like that scene scared the shit out of me as a kid. And it still unsettles me watching it to this day. So. For me, that's my favorite death in the franchise. This is my favorite comical death in the franchise. <laughs> but yeah, Freddie picks her up and he goes, this is it, Jennifer, your big break in TV. And then the welcome to primetime bitch. And he smashes her head into the TV, frying her. Now, the funny thing about that is 
the original line was just, this is it, Jennifer, your big break in TV. And then he was supposed to slam her. <laughs> Robert England was just like, he goes, yeah, it didn't fit right in my mouth. It felt like it needed something more. So I, I improved. Welcome to prime time, bitch. And like <laughs> Chuck Russell and everyone else was just like, that's fucking gold. We're keeping it in the movie. <laughs> so Max rushes in and finds her dead and hanging from the TV. And I love how no one questions how the fuck she got up there with enough right? force to stick her head through the glass. Right? Right? Like, she, oh, she committed suicide. How? <laughs> she, she's like four feet off the ground. Right. Like, There's the not a chair around for her standing on it. That's why the furniture's all the way back. So I how I could do that. But not only that, but like, how did she hit it with enough force to put her head through it to kill her? Like, no one questions this. <laughs> so... But we cut to the funeral where we see see Neil watching from afar when he's approached by the nun that he saw in the crowd earlier. Ooh, spooky nun. <laughs> spooky white nun. <laughs> and spooky she, mom who, who nun who's the boss on the Drew Carey show. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, she introduces herself as Mary Helena, and he confesses to her that he feels that he should have been able to do something to save the kids. Uh, and she tells him that there's only one thing that can save the children. The unquiet spirit must be laid to rest. And I'm like, oh, is that all? No problem. Like, oh. what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and she goes, it's an abomination to God and to man. Before Neil can comment on her cryptic warning, Nancy comes up and is like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just talking to this spooky old. Oh, she's gone. Oh, spooky. <laughs> <laughs> so. He tells her it doesn't matter, and the two leave. Now we cut to Neil and Nancy having dinner at her place. Neil is lamenting how he feels helpless, that he used to think that he could help the kids, but one by one they're slipping through his fingers, and he doesn't know how to stop it. Uh, he points out that the deaths don't make any sense, to which Nancy tells him that maybe he's ready to hear the truth. Smash cut to group. Nancy explains that she knows who's trying to kill them. Of course, the kids don't believe her at first, until she's able to describe him perfectly. Uh, she goes on to explain who Freddy is and how six years prior he killed her friends and tried to kill her. They ask her why she why he's after them, and she explains about what their parents did and about how they're the last of the Elm Street children. So basically, like, their parents were involved in the mob that murdered Freddy. So in this film, it makes it sound like, okay, this is it. This is, this is all we got. So how come in the next movie there's a whole bunch more kids? Um, uh, well, they explain that in the next movie. Uh, that I do know. Yeah, the whole jumping <laughs> that thing. Is, like, ah, that yeah. is, Kristen brought it and gave her powers to Alice, and then mm -hmm. Alice introduced him to whole new kids. That's what Which, it was. It seems <laughs> silly. I'm, I'm sorry, it's just that that idea of, like, okay, you're, you're on a revenge kick, and now it's like, I want a smorgasbord. Like, no, just, I mean... I mean, I get it. I get it. They clearly were trying to set this up to be it. And then New mm -hmm. Line went, um, no, now we've got bank. <laughs> <laughs> now we need more. <laughs> yeah. Now we need more. I mean, I mean, if you really think about it, yeah, this was supposed to be it. Like, yeah, it was but, only supposed to be one, two, three. That's it. <laughs> but I mean, we still get the whole, you know, the, the Bob Shea coda at the end of the movie. So, yeah, you know, just just in case we want to make more. Yeah. Um. But yeah, she that she I love how she makes this massive logic leap and explains how they all have spoopy dream powers and can learn to use them to fight back. Like, 
how did you how did you come to that conclusion? Yeah, like, Nancy, you didn't have that. <laughs> I was right. I was gonna say you didn't deal with that. The only one you've you've dealt with now is Kristen, who can pull people into their dreams somehow. Right. Um, but like you just you're like, oh yeah, all of you got some kind of spoopy dream power. So and she tells them how Kristen is the key. She can pull them all into the same space. So they do a little group uh, group hypnosis, and um, it, it doesn't seem to work at first. So they take a break. Joey overhears Nurse Marcy walking down the hall and goes to see her. I was like, and and of course she immediately comes on to him. And I'm like, buddy, you should have known you were dreaming right there. But (laughs) back in the room, Neil is playing with one of those little metal ball desk toys. And suddenly the balls start floating through the air and they realize they're in the dream. So now we get a rundown of their dream powers. I I love this. It starts off kind of cool. Will can not only walk, but he's a fucking wizard. Kincaid has super strength. Like, so he picks up a chair and is bending. I love, he's like bending the metal legs and it's screeching. And, and Neil's just like, oh, Kincaid, that's that's really unnerving. <laughs> and then Kristen can do weak-ass gymnastics. Like, yay. <laughs> and Taryn well, has you know, she off. has the main power, guys, of bringing people in. So <laughs> and, we'll let and, it pass. And, and, <laughs> I'm, I'm still calling bullshit on her weak-ass gymnastics. <laughs> and the worst is Taryn has a mohawk and switchblades. <laughs> like and it looks like she's never held a knife before in her life, if you like, really look at it. Because at one point, she's like, got that where she's got them facing forward, but she's like, p- coming down with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, and this is where we get the, in my dreams, I'm beautiful. And then she opens the switchblade, and she goes, and bad. It's like, oh, God. Um, I don't know if, if either of those <laughs> like, like are true, but okay. Right. <laughs> so now we, we cut back to Joey getting it on with Nurse Marcy. And I, I love how we have the, the, the TV like tender music moment where it's like the la la la. <laughs> like that's playing in the background of this scene. And then she's like, this is another one of those lines where I'm like, oh, somebody had to say that. Like, where she's like, do you like my body, Joey? <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, that's so, it's such a clunky line. First of all, she is like in a nurse's Halloween costume, too, by the way. Right. It's just like, here's a zipper in the back. <laughs> I, I have Secondly, out- she's like 40. Right. <laughs> she's coming on. <laughs> and he's like 15. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, oh, now, hold on. Hold on. We got to back it up. It was it was the 80s. It was the 80s. It's I not, mean, okay. Real ge- <laughs> in real genius, we saw that happen where the 15 year old was getting hit on by the teachers and the older students alike. In weird science, we saw that happen. This in the 80s, they were fucking weird when it came to this shit. It still does not make it okay. I never said it did. I just said it was the 80s, and that's when this shit happened. Uh, but yeah, I've worked at a hospital for 23 years. I have never seen a nurse rocking a costume like this. Yeah. Um, but they start making out and Marcy pulls Joey's tongue out and then barfs up a bunch of tongues and ties them to the bed. I love that. She's just going like, hey. <laughs> the tongues are grabbing him, but she then turns into Freddie and laughs at him saying, what's wrong, Joey? Feeling a little tongue tied. I really would have liked to have seen them like superimpose his head on the naked body. <laughs> well, they, they actually have footage of that. Um, because it was, I forget the actress's name, but the actress that plays uh, Nurse Marcy, they did the Freddy makeup on her, and originally that was what it was supposed to be. She was supposed to have the Freddy head, and it was like the burn going like down to the tops of her boobs, 
And then she was supposed to like be talking as Freddie. But yeah, um, they said that it just it's one of those cases where no one can play Freddie like Robert. So they were like, it just looked like a woman trying to be Freddie and it didn't work. Like, it just looked weird. That's probably Um, why I had it in my head. Like, that's what I wanted to see, you know? Yeah. They, there's uh, again the, the documentary they show they show footage of it. It's very interesting, um, but yeah, I'm glad that they they went the route that they went because <laughs> it just it looks really fucking weird. Um, but yeah, so the the bed falls away, leaving a pit of fire, and Joey is just kind of suspended above hell. Back in the group room, the entire room begins to burn and change into what looks like the inside of a furnace. The walls press in around them. Kincaid tries to break the wall and burns his hands. Um, you know, the, the group is freaking out, screaming. We see the door start to shake. And then finally the door opens and it's Sims. And she finds the entire group asleep with Joey lying on the floor. She rushes, rushes in, checks Joey's pulse and calls a code blue. Smash cut to Joey in a hospital bed. He's in a coma. And the head doctor, Dr. Carver, is fucking pissed. Sims explains that not only was a session unauthorized, but it was done on purpose without her knowledge. But they were getting the sleep you've been wanting them to have. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> what's your problem? <laughs> what's Yeah, what's your beef here? <laughs> so Neil and Nancy try to explain what they were attempting to do, but it's no good. Dr. Carver isn't having any of it and tells them that in the last four days, they've had two suicides and now a patient in a coma and fires both of them on the spot. And I love uh, Sims is such a bit here, a bit shir- here. She's like, I'm sorry, Neil, but you really did bring this on yourself. It's like, fuck you. She is a bitch. I can't stand her. <laughs> oh, she's such a turd. But Neil makes Sims promise that she'll take care of the kids and try to help them. Yeah, she... yeah. Of, the, of all the people you want right. to make that promise to. Not right. that one. And that's the thing. It's <laughs> Go like, to Max. <laughs> she agrees. And it's like, oh, yeah, we all know how this is going to play out. You're an adult in the nightmare movie. Get some sleep. You know? <laughs> But we see Neil carrying his belongings out to his car. He fumbles a folder of some photos and it spills out on the ground. He gathers them up and we see one of himself, Philip, and Jennifer. He quickly shoves the box into his trunk and looks up at the tower where Philip fell. And he sees the spoopy nun standing in the window and just decides to start screaming at her. He's like, sister! Like, like you don't find this odd that she's just magically in a locked wing at night. Right? I said the same thing. I'm like, uh, Neil, how is she up there? You already know that wing is locked. Like, right. And, and yeah, he go, he, she turns and walks away and he goes to check on her, finds the door to the tower is locked. So he does what anyone in a horror movie would do and grabs a rock to break in. And by the way, that thing just opens. Yeah. Oh, he it's gives it. Like, he gives it the lightest touch and it's like, pink. Yep. Locks in the eighties were piss poor, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, it does. I don't even think he breaks the lock. I think he breaks the latch. The lock was attached to. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. But he then makes his way to the top of the tower where he finds the nun in a closed off ward. She tells him that this is where it all began. Neil comments that this wing hasn't been used in, in years uh, and, and saying, you know, asking what it was for. The nun explains how the wing was uh, for the criminally insane, where the worst of the worst were kept locked away like animals. Neil comments how the entire place was shut down in the 40s due to some scandal, but he wasn't sure what it was. The nun goes on to explain that a young woman on the staff was accidentally locked away in there over the holidays, that the inmates kept her hidden, and she was raped hundreds hundreds of times. When she was eventually found, she was barely alive and with child. Her name was Amanda Kruger. Her son, 
Freddy, the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. And I'm like, damn, what a fucked up story for your or origin story for your killer. Like when you when you look at the the pantheon of of 80s and like slasher killers, let's just say 70s and 80s slashers. Like Michael Myers, he's a young boy who snaps and kills his sister. If you're just going by the first movie, <laughs> you know, they, right. they changed the mythology, obviously. But the original movie, he snaps, kills his sister. Leatherface has like multiple personality disorders. Like he's he's like he's schizophrenic and all screwed up. You know, Jason was deformed and saw his mother get murdered and is basically like living in the in the woods like a fucking mountain man. You know, so it's again, there's there's an element of sympathy to each of these characters. They have something physically or mentally wrong with them. Not Freddy. <laughs> Freddy's no. like, you know, is he was born of, a, you know, of, 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 of an insane rape situation and then grew up molesting and, and killing kids like Jesus Christ. And if we go by the other movies, he was fucking abused his whole life, too. Yeah. So, like, I mean, Alice Cooper is responsible right. for Freddy. <laughs> exactly. I, I love that he's one of the foster parents in that. It's so it's so perfect. But she tells Neil that that although people say Freddy was murdered, no body was ever found. And if he wishes to stop him, that he must find the remains and bury them in hollowed ground. Uh, she then leaves the wing. And I love how the door almost closes and Neil panics like, oh, shit. <laughs> Like he runs over and grabs the door. <laughs> Hollow ground or abandoned junkyard, guys. Come I, on. <laughs> I, have a, I have a comment on that a little later. Um, but yeah, you know, so he runs in and opens the door. Neil goes after trying to ask more questions. But as soon as he goes out of the room, she's gone. Cut to Nancy sitting by Joey's bedside watching him. And she tells Kruger, let go of him, you bastard. And like a twisted magic trick, Freddy carves the words, come get him, you bitch. <laughs> Into Joey's chest. And nobody else sees this? Like, nobody else sees that this got carved into his chest somehow later on? Well, and that's that's the thing. I was like, okay, so this is pretty interesting here. Because this is the first time we see Freddy communicating with someone who is completely awake, but doing it through someone who is sleeping. Now, this does pop up a couple of times in the franchise going forward. But this is the first time we see this. And, like, I know at this point in the mythology really isn't set in stone. But it's kind of weird how it's like two times now we've had Freddy manipulating the real world. And specifically in part two, where we see him possess a person and everybody, including Robert England and, and other people were saying, you're breaking the rules. Freddy should not be allowed to enter the real world unless he's pulled out of the dream, yada, yada, yada. Like he shouldn't have his powers in the real world. So part two was like blasphemy to everybody, including Wes Craven and Robert England. But they do the same fucking thing in this one where it's like he's manipulating the real world. And Wes Craven and Robert England were like, okay with this version. (laughs) It's like, wait a second. I guess an argument could be made that Nancy initially brought him out. That maybe part of him like still lives on in the real world kind of fucking shit. Yeah. I mean, you could could make all sorts of like, you know, sorts of arguments for it. Right. It just it feels weird where it's like, wait a sec. You're, You're kind of playing fast and loose with the rules. Right. Like but, two honestly makes more sense. Like, oh, he needed a body to come back. Like, yeah, that makes he, a little bit more sense, though. He's he's <laughs> a demonic spirit. He possessed yeah. them, you know. But so we cut to Neil and Nancy driving and talking about the situation. Nancy wants to go after Kruger in the, in the dreams. But Neil is trying to convince her that they need to listen to the nun's plan and try to find Freddy's remains. 
Nancy reluctantly agrees and tells him that the parents of Elm Street burned Freddy in his boiler room and then hid his remains. But there's one man who knows where they are and it's time for him to talk. Cut to the hospital where we see Kristen freaking the fuck out and finding out after finding out Nancy is gone. Sims is trying to convince Kristen to trust her, but she needs that, you know, he needs to rest first. (laughs) And the orderlies grab Kristen. Sims orders that they put her in the quiet room and sedate her. Kristen screams at Sims, you're killing us, as she's dragged down the hall and the other kids watch in horror. Now we cut to a dive bar called Nemo's, or Little Nemo's, which I found hilarious. Um, Because, you know, Little little Nemo's Slumberland, that whole thing. Um, But it's, uh, so we cut to this dive bar where Nancy and Neil go in and talk to Nancy's dad. We see that he's no longer a cop and is wearing a security guard's uniform and is clearly drunk. So we can infer that his entire life fucking fell apart since the first film. Okay, because that's a question I had, because it does still kind of look like the chief of police uniform to me. Oh, it's, it, it, it says security on his, on his shoulder. Like he's got the little, the little shield, um, and then it says right under it, security. Oh, see, so, I, never even, I never even saw that. Never even saw yeah. it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's inferred that, uh, or implied that he's, uh, he's a drunkard and lost, like, his, his, lost his job and is doing what well, he can. Well, four kids and his wife died under their watch in, like, a week alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Obviously. Well, and keep in mind how the first one ends. He watched as his wife, his wife's burnt skeleton floated into the bed of stars. Yeah. And then the bed reappeared. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, I got to go take care of some stuff downstairs. Uh... <laughs> he's like, I'm out. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy tries to tell her dad what's been happening, that Kruger is still killing people, and she needs to know what happened to his body. Her dad tells her that Kruger is dead and gone. Neil tries to back her up, and Mr. Thompson brushes him off, saying, I don't believe we've met, friend, and goes back to drinking. Nancy pleads with her dad a bit, and tells her, and he tells her it was good seeing her, and then shuts down the conversation. Uh, Neil gets a page from the hospital and they run to a payphone to call and they find out that uh, they find out from Taryn that Sims put Kristen in the quiet room and sedated her. So basically, Freddie's going to get her. Uh, Neil tells him not to worry and explains what's happening to Nancy. He gives her his keys and tells her to go to the hospital and try to help. He then balls, gets his balls up and goes to Mr. Thompson <laughs> where he says, my name is Neil Gordon. Now there we've met. <laughs> he flips the table and grabs Mr. Thompson by the neck. And he tells them, we're going to go on a little scavenger hunt, you and I, whether you like it or not. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. He, he finally found his uh, finally found his courage. So this is where Act 2 ends. What are you guys thinking? I Well, at this point, like, be rewatch it, because it had been a while since I had rewatched this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, how did he know what was going back on at the school? And I was like, oh, pagers. Yeah, pagers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie is obviously dated. But, well, like, pay, pagers but, and payphones. Yeah, pagers <laughs> and payphones. Um, but yeah, like now, now we're getting into, into shit like we were just already discussing. Like, mm, really, hollow ground or abandoned, you know, junkyard, which I know is coming up. Yeah. Um, but it's like mm, now, how 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 is how is Nancy going to get all these kids? You know, <laughs> to get right. you know that kind of shit. It's like, mm, but that's Kristen's thing. Like, how now you've trained these kids how to do that too, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But yeah, but it's it gets a lot of hand wavy shit coming up here. I do and think the, it's and the next few movies. I, say, I, I do think <laughs> it's funny that like at this point in the film, 
um like we're we're almost done with the movie yeah. and like it, it started off so fucking fast and, and like there was so much going on and then like in the first act we only killed one kid in the second act we only killed one kid. <laughs> like it's like wow we're really saving them all for the end here aren't we yeah exactly <laughs> and and that i and that's something too that comes up like these ones at the end are kind of quick yeah it's like very fast. you know i would i would have liked those deaths to last a little bit longer right <laughs> What about you, Reese? Any any comments on the second act? No, I I, I like I like what's going on so far. I'm enjoying myself. Nothing I, I really I love nothing the really jumps out at me. I say I love the introduction of John Saxon's character. Like I I love the fact that they brought him back. Um, but I I like how different uh Lieutenant Thompson is now as security guard Thompson. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it's such a different character from the first time we saw him. And then again, seeing him in in a new nightmare playing himself, it's like I I just I really like John Saxon. I think he's a great actor, or was a great actor, I should say. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I was gonna go on with Act Three, but what were you gonna oh, say? Oh, I was gonna say um, the lack of there's the Dream Warriors it, it, it has disturbed me. I want more of that. <laughs> well, you know they're 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 saving it for the credits. They open I and know, close, <laughs> but I need more. It's almost as good as uh, Star Star Lord. No, Star Grove. Star Grove. Oh, God, it? Star Grove. <laughs> to the digital. <laughs> Oh my god! the The only other one I can think of is um the man behind the mask in Nightmare and or Nightmare. I'm sorry, Freddy. Uh, my god, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. I couldn't. I got Freddy on the brain, but uh, yeah, Alice Cooper's little little Jason song. But so yeah, Act Three kicks up with uh, we see Kristen struggling to stay awake in the quiet room, slowly walking the perimeter of the room trying to stay awake. That scene used to scare the fuck out of me as a kid because, and it still kind of creeps me out because it's like that whole. You know, the inevitability of sleep, knowing that you can't stay awake forever. And it's like, ugh, like knowing you're going to have to go in and, and and not only be able to not wake up because you're sedated, but you're going to have to fight, you know, this person trying to kill you is terrifying. So we see. And haven't Neil- we all been there, too? <laughs> I know. So, right? It's like, I don't want to go to sleep. I'm watching this. I don't want to go to sleep yet. I don't want to go to sleep yet. I'm watching I, this. <laughs> I used to notoriously do that when I was a teenager. I'd be like. You know, no, I don't want to go to bed because if I go to bed, then I got to go to school the next day. <laughs> It'd be that whole thing of like I'm staying up trying to watch TV or play a video game or whatever, and and I wouldn't make it. I'd pass the fuck out. But um, so we see uh, Neil and Mr. Thompson stopping at a church. Neil grabs Mr. Tom- Thompson's bottle of booze, pours it out, goes in the church, and fills it up with holy water. And while he's in there, he steals a few crucifixes and crosses for good measure. Um, thou shall not steal, Neil. <laughs> Well, Ugh. I love it. Look, well, now keep in mind, he said he he didn't believe in that stuff. He believed in science. I know, so, but still, he does. He doesn't feel he has to abide by the rules. Obviously, uh, he does because he needs these to get to consecrated junkyard. Right. <laughs> well, ho- hollowed junkyard ground. Hollowed um, junkyard grounds. But I, I I love the priest that catches him because he's like, "What are you doing in here?" And he's like, "Oh, uh, uh, I, I really need this. Here, I'll reimburse you. Have my driver's license. I'll be back." And the priest, you? the priest looks at the driver's <laughs> license like, what the fuck? <laughs> so we see, um, we cut to Nancy arriving at the hospital. 
Max refuses to let her anywhere near Kristen, telling her he has specific orders from Sims not to let anyone near, especially Nancy. And he says, and even if I didn't have orders from Sims, I wouldn't let you anywhere near that near my kids or blah, blah, near Kristen because my kids have been disappearing. Um, she then asks to say goodbye to the other kids, and he's like, "Okay, <laughs> like, wait a second, you just said." So that's one of those parts that bothered me. I'm like, you just gave this whole diatribe about how she's harming your kids. And then she's like, well, can I at least say goodbye to the others? And he's like, yeah, okay. Here's a blue pill. Go for it. Uh... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So he goes in the TV room and I know, I know this is meant to be sad. We see Kincaid like lovingly touching the burn mark on the wall. I fucking lost it. I'm like, there's just this giant bird mark where the TV used to be. Because it's really, it feels more like, man, I miss television. I know. <laughs> I'm like, what's a TV room with no TV? Hey, man, I miss TV. Oh, yeah, Jennifer, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that fucking cracked me up. But So Nancy gets the rest of the kids and tells them that they're going to have one last group, and they follow her. Cut to Neil and Mr. Thompson arriving at the junkyard. Mr. Thompson tells them that they hid the remains deep in the center of the junkyard where no one would ever find it. And they head inside. See, I'm sorry. This is always weird to me. Like, how how do you think no one would ever find it in a junkyard? Like, don't people go to junkyards to find parts? I said the same thing. Like, okay, it's probably been about, what, 10 years at this point? Kind of when they when they murdered him. Yeah, at least 10 years. Well, because the kids were were little when that happened. Right. Exactly. Okay, maybe we'll give it about fifteen because we're we're saying like maybe Nancy was like five when they right. did this or something. Yeah. Um. Uh, but like you, first of all, you can't remember. Like, come on, you remember. Second yeah. of all, why do you have keys to this junkyard? <laughs> like, <laughs> is this where you're the security guard? Like, it's in this ah, junkyard. Maybe. <laughs> but like, yo, know, you can't remember. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, it's in that caddy. Like, yeah. what the what? fuck? And right, like, like pick a more inconspicuous car. What the fuck? Right? Like, <laughs> it's a caddy that people are gonna want to watch. If you had stuck it in the back of a Volvo, no one was gonna care. <laughs> in the back of a Volkswagen. <laughs> Damn it, that's what I was trying to think of. Uh, <laughs> it's a very uncomfortable place. Exactly. That's all I know. That would have been um, a spot for Freddy's remains. <laughs> Cadillac has got plenty of room. That's the thing. Exactly. <laughs> but. Back to Nancy and the Scooby gang at the hospital. Nancy explains that they're going to going to try to go into the dream and link up with Kristen to save Joey. She warns them of the danger, saying that they may not make it out alive. The teens look scared, but they agree. I love Kincaid. He's like, let's go kick this motherfucker's ass all over dreamland. <laughs> so Nancy reminds them that they have to stay together, that that's the only way they can defeat Freddy is together. That'll yeah. be important really soon. <laughs> Real quick. Yeah. So Nancy starts the session telling them that she's going to count back from five and they're going to fall asleep and they'll all be in the quiet room with Kristen. She starts the countdown and they all start to fall asleep just as Kristen does. And then, bam, they're all in the dream with Kristen and Kristen in the quiet room. That was insanely convenient. Yeah. Right. Oh, my God. I wish I could make dreams work like that. Like, this is what I'm going to dream about and go. Right. Like, I don't know if I would honestly want to pull somebody into my dreams yeah no well i don't know i feel like that would be a really fun prank to fuck with people i don't especially if you could control your dreams right that's my that's my concern like if i can't control my dreams weren't we just talking about 
Pedro Pascal in my <laughs> Like, if I can't, I don't, you know, yeah, Don, we, don't, we don't need Don, that, guys. Don's pulling people into her dreams going, look what I can do. <laughs> Hi, have you ever had your uh, Bioport tongue by Jude Law? No, <laughs> let's try it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that is definitely a soundbite that will get used again randomly. <laughs> I, I put it at the end of the, the credits, I know. as you heard. I fucking cracked up. I was not <laughs> expecting that. I'm like, fuck. I, I expected I, it to get pulled, but I didn't expect where I, where I heard it. <laughs> uh, it's going to be something I'm going to bring up. I, it's it's going to be my catchphrase from now on. Getting yep. tongued by Jude. I don't know. How did I? Well, <laughs> having having your bioport tongued by Jude Law. Oh, I already gave out all my fucking global milk ads this month. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's so, got some, Mike's got some nice ones coming up, guys. I'm just I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so they have their happy little reunion, and Kristen gets all serious and is like, "Joey needs us. I can feel him." Dun dun dun. Really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and suddenly, Freddy's claws start ripping through the walls of the quiet room, sending feathers flying. Before they know it, they're surrounded in a cloud of feathers and separated. Uh oh, they're not together anymore. But they needed to stick together. I know. What is that all about? So fast. Even though they're all in the same house. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Kristen finds herself back in the bedroom, uh, just like the beginning of the movie. And we get a repeat scene of Kristen's mom coming home, yada, yada, yada. Basically the same exact scene. Uh, Mom's guest yells upstairs, where do you keep the bourbon? And mom goes, I'll be right down. Kristen tells her mom that she had the most awful dream and doesn't want to be alone. Just then, Mom is yanked out of the room by Freddy in a suit, and he goes, I said, where's the fucking bourbon? And he cuts her head off. And Mom's severed head starts bitching her out for cock-blocking her. And you know what? All that is 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 true. Like, all that is is totally acceptable. First of all, cutting her head off because you, you won't tell him where the fucking bourbon is. And then her screaming that she's fucking cock blocking her again. Like, come on. All that's all that's acceptable, people. She's like, every time I bring a man home, you're always doing this. <laughs> so Freddy goes to attack her and she uses her sweet gymnastic abilities to flip over him and jump out the window, which leads right into Nancy's old house, trapping Kristen inside. Because, yeah, going out the window was the first option in my mind. Right. <laughs> You're obviously on the second floor. Well, she <laughs> she she ping-ponged using her sweet gymnastics. You oh, know? That's true. That is Flipped true. off the wall and she was like, "Well, I can I can do a triple Lindsay off the <laughs> <laughs> out of the window and down to the floor, the ground below." <laughs> God, I got to rewatch Back to School. It's been so long. <laughs> I did but... watch it recently and it's there's some stuff that doesn't hold up, but yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you just got to watch for Billy Zapka's mullet. That's all. Like <laughs> I mean, come on, Billy Zapka, Rodney Dangerfield, and, and freaking uh, Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Jr. Yeah, yeah, and dude from Christine, it's perfect. And 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 Sam Kinison. Yeah. Oh, I forgot Sam Kinison was in that. Oh, I miss him. But yeah, oh, great movie. But anyway, back to this movie. Um, <laughs> so... Join us next week when we decide to do Back to School instead. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I feel like that's going to be erased by rentals. It's got to come up on there. But so we we cut to Taryn with her crazy ass mohawk. She also finds herself in the house in the upstairs hallway and hears Kristen calling for Nancy. She goes to find her and winds up in a back alley. She turns around to run back down the hall and is blocked by a brick wall that has a graffiti heart with an arrow through it that says Taryn and Freddy. Aw, isn't that cute? (laughs) 
She walks down the alley with her switchblades at the ready. Freddy pops up and the two get into a knife fight. Freddy claws her leg and Kristen stabs him in the or Kristen Taryn stabs him in the armpit, which fucking ouch. Like, right. That looked painful. But it's so painful. He lost his voice modulator at that moment <laughs> <laughs> and is talking in his regular voice. Right. <laughs> but Freddie tells her, why should we fight? We're old friends, remember? And then raises his hands, which are now tipped with syringes. And he tells her, let's get high. The track marks on her arms turn into little suckling mouths. And Freddie stabs the syringes in her, killing her. And he goes, oh, what a rush. <laughs> well, it's Windex. He's pumping into her, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's going to kill her. <laughs> I mean, maybe it could have been Drano, too. Remember, we learned That's in Heathers true. how bad. Yeah, Drano really uh, does. Does a fucking number. Let's bring up Heathers again. Yeah. <laughs> Try to uh, in two weeks when we discuss Heathers. <laughs> well, a- actually, Heathers will come up on this show at, at one point. We, it better it, be. Well, we've we've discussed it a few times. Like, it definitely has its toes enough in like the fucked up horror realm that it's like, yeah, you know what? It works. It works well enough. But um, like I said, we can say that about anything. Mm, uh, <laughs> I mean, if, all right, if, all right, all right. Sonic the Hedgehog two, no, but right. one will go with it. Uh, <laughs> Eh, I, I don't know if we can get away with that, but, you know. Um, so, yeah, we, we cut to, to Will finding himself in a creepy, dark tunnel. He calls out for his friends and instead is greeted by Freddy laughing at him. He turns to go back the other way and sees a torturous wheelchair covered in spikes and barbs facing him at the other end of the hallway. The chair chases him down, slashing him as it passes. It spins around and, and is going to go for a second pass. And I love Freddy's one-liners here. He goes, it's the chair for you, kid. <laughs> And Will yells, I am the wizard master, and pops up from the ground in a wizard robe and zaps the shit out of the chair, blowing it up with green lightning. He then looks at Freddy and yells, in the name of Lorik, prince of elves, demon be gone, and zaps Freddy with spoopy wizard fingers. Um, Now, okay, I got a problem here. Okay. At first, it looks like he's actually hurting Freddy. Right. Why the fuck does he run up next to him? I, yeah. That's you know what that is. I finally got balls kind of thing, right. and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna take out Freddy. And but it's like it. he he fucking put himself in grabbing distance. Yeah. It's like well, shit. <laughs> At least try to push him back into something. But yeah, so, yeah. this so, is this is this this is the one that makes all nerds sad. He grab <laughs> Freddy grabs Will by the neck, picks him up, and goes. Sorry, kid, I don't believe in fairy tales, and stabs him in the chest with his claw, killing him. Now, really? Because you make a lot of deaths out of fairy tales, Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hello, you're going to kill somebody as a cockroach at some point. <laughs> yep. Little, little, little Kafka-esque there. Yeah. Um, but no, th- this uh, interesting piece of trivia here, the, apparently the claws that they use for the stabbing scenes have like the retractable blades. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't use the retractable blades on this scene. They used the real claw. And there was a two by four under Will's costume and Robert had to hit his mark of stabbing the two by four. I was going to say that always, that one does kind of always look a little weird to me. Yeah. Like the way, like the way he stabs him, it always kind of looks a little weird. And it's like, if this, this is that, that, that eighties style filmmaking. We're like, ah, if somebody gets hurt, fuck it. Like, what? safety and standards what the fuck is that there are so well i mean poor joey uh hanging up on the on the bed like that there's a story about him 
where the, they shot that in a room that was built on on the wall. So it's it's built. He's standing up on that bed. Um, but he was oh, left so there. They're crucifying him. Exactly. <laughs> he's he's left there for hours. There's a point where he fucking passed out because he's like, you know, the blood can't fucking pump. Or the, the heart can't pump blood to the extremities. <laughs> he got fucking woozy and passed out. I was like, yeah, they really just did no, no safety. <laughs> They're like, fuck it. We're making a horror movie. We got no money. But <laughs> so anyway, by will he's dead. And we're but, all and every nerd everywhere cried. We all said <laughs> mm-hmm. no, no more dungeons, dungeons and more dungeons. No. And oh. th- this goes to my fact that this death is way too quick as is Terrence. Like, oh, yeah. They're just way too quick. Well, with it's Terrence, like, oh shit, we've only got like ten minutes left in the movie. <laughs> well, apparently, Taryn's death—they had this whole like prop uh, planned for her head to explode, and the prop didn't work right. Like they, again, on the documentary, they show footage of it. So they were just like, "Fuck it, we can't get the prop to work." So move on. Um, but back to Kristen wandering around the house. She makes her way to a bedroom where she finds Nancy. When suddenly they hear something breaking through the wall. But oh, it's only Kincaid. Womp womp. <laughs> So he asks him where Joey is, and Kristen tells him they haven't found him yet, that the whole place is like a giant maze. And I love Kincaid's response. He just goes, well, then it's time to stop guessing and start messing. Yo, Kruger, where are you at, you burnt face pussy? <laughs> he just starts yelling that Freddy's a pussy over and over again. And he continues to taunt Freddy, and when nothing happens, he goes, yeah, I knew he was a little chicken. And then, much like Michael J. Fox, you don't call Freddy a chicken. Because... Um, Bam, a giant steaming metal door to hell just hangs in space in front of them. <clears throat> now, that's a really cool effect. It's just like a door hanging there, and then it opens leading into the boiler room. And it's like you can see the back of the door where there's nothing. It just it looks neat. So they go down, they go through the door and find themselves in he- like heading to- toward hell. Uh, back to Neil and Mr. Thompson in the junkyard. Mr. Thompson points out the car where they hid the bones. Neil goes to open the trunk and finds the remains. Back in the dream, Nancy, Kristen, and Kincaid find find Joey tied up uh, over the pit of fire with Freddy standing nearby. Nancy yells at Freddy, let him go, Kruger. Poor poor choice of words, (laughs) because he smiles and goes, your wish is my command, and begins undoing the tongue ties holding him. Nancy runs over, grabs Joey before he falls in the pit. Kristen fights Freddy with her sweet gymnastic moves, and Kincaid uh, Kincaid pulls Nancy and Joey up before they fall. Kincaid then grabs a pipe and bashes Freddy in the face, and he just shakes it off and grabs Kincaid by the throat. Nancy then stabs Freddy in the gut with another pipe, and he yanks it out laughing and licks the pipe as the group watches in horror. Um, And I love this because Nancy, as if she has, like, way more knowledge than she should, she's like, he's he's so strong, he's never been this strong. It's like... How do you know? I've you said that, I said that too. It's like, you only have one other time with him. Like, right. like what the, so then Freddie rips open his sweater, revealing screaming faces on his chest and tells him that the souls of the children give him strength. And so this is where that bit of mythology uh, begins, where Freddie consumes the souls of the children. Yeah. So he tells the, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. He, he tells him that there's always room for more, but before he can attack, he's distracted by something and disappears. Cut to Neil and Mr. Thompson throwing Freddy's bones in a shallow grave. Suddenly they hear something and look around nervously. Random cars in the junkyard begin turning on and honking at them. Suddenly a stack of cars tip over onto Mr. Thompson's car, trapping them in the in the circle. Thompson yells at Neil to bury Freddy. Neil goes to grab the bag of bones and is grabbed by a skeleton hand. 
suddenly the Freddy, the charred Freddy skeleton jumps up and begins attacking them in an amazing homage to Ray Harryhausen. It is a fun fight. It's it bad. is a fun fight, but it's kind of bullshit. Like, oh, really? Like, it's like, oh, uh, we got to go take care of this now. Like, no, you don't have to. Well, and, like, and, and once again, how is Freddy doing this? Why is he manipulating exactly. the real world? Nobody there is asleep. Right. So, eh, little, little hand wavy. <laughs> but so Mr. Thompson attempts to fight, uh, fight the skeleton. He's like, I killed you once before, you son of a bitch. And he runs at him. Freddy Skeleton stabs him in the gut and then throws him onto a hunk of scrap metal and paling him and killing him. Neil is then slashed across the chest and is bonked on the head with the shovel, knocking him out. Freddy Bone shovels some dirt on him, laughs, and collapses. Now, this is where I have some fucking questions. Can you just make hollowed ground by splashing holy water on any old spot? Like, doesn't it need to properly be blessed by a priest? And like I said, how the hell does Freddy possess his bones? And if he could do that all this time, why hasn't he been doing that to kill people? Right. Like, oh, I could possess my bones. And then if we're gonna if we're gonna go that far, let's jump to Freddy versus Jason, where he needs Jason to go do this shit. Exactly. <laughs> like it is a little hand wavy. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, that's irritating. Like I said, watching it not critically, I've always loved this movie. Watching it critically, you start to see the cracks. It's like, ah, crap. But back in the dream, the Scooby gang find themselves in a dead-end hallway with mirrors covering the walls. Before they can turn back, Freddy pops up in the mirror, apologizing for the delay and suggesting that perhaps there needs to be more of him to go around. Well, good. We've been waiting. I know, right? (laughs) Hello. Suddenly he appears in all of the mirrors surrounding them. Joey hides between two of the mirrors and watches in horror as his friends are grabbed one by one and pulled into the mirrors by the Freddy reflections. Joey finally finds his dream power, which is his voice, and he screams. Freddy recoils, covers his ears, and the mirrors shatter and send his friends tumbling back out into the hallway, where they all excitedly hug Joey, thanking him for saving them. Now, the the, the effect here with the, the mirrors, when you really stop and think about, like, how did they fucking do that in the 80s? That shit's impressive. Yeah. Like, uh, they were talking about it on the documentary. They were, like, literally manipulating Mylar in front of the mirrors and the camera to get the, the, the double reflections and all that. I was like, that's... That's crazy. Like, I love the the crazy solutions to effects problems back in the day. Now it's just like, yeah, put it in the computer. Yeah, you know? exactly. Because now, now, like, oh, we just film it. And we put a green screen in front of it. And then we just film through a hole. And then we digitally remove it. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Back then, it was like, okay, we got to angle this correctly. Mm-hmm. Not to see it. Okay, don't forget that one's over there. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> now, also... Nancy is a fucking moron here because right? like, we've already seen multiple times of Freddie disappearing and coming back. The the glass shatters and she looks around and she's like, he's gone. It's over. And I'm How? like, bitch, How have you, you learned? Right. Have you learned nothing? Like, so they, you they already know that's not true because it's happened before to you, Nancy. <laughs> multiple times. Yes. So they celebrate, and Nancy's dad materializes out of sparkles and tells her that he's crossed over, that he's dead now, but he couldn't go without apologizing for the things he's done to her. He tells her that he loves her and always has. Aw, a little tender moment. Nancy tells him that she loves him too and hugs him. But surprise, it's not dad, it's Freddy! And he stabs her in the belly with his glove. Womp womp. (laughs) 
So we cut to Neil waking up in the shallow grave as Freddy goes to uh, goes to attack Kristen in the dream. Nancy gets one last hit as she jumps on Freddy's back and forces him to stab himself. Meanwhile, Neil pulls himself up out of the grave, prays to God for help, and starts splashing the, the bones with holy water. Saying, so the Ash- science guy all of a sudden believes in God. Well, yeah. It, I mean, it's... <laughs> It's a it's a movie, so of course that is going to happen. Yeah, of course, <laughs> movie's got a movie. Exactly. So he's going ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and in the dream, Freddy has explosions of light popping out of his body. Neil places a crucifix on the skeleton's head, saying, "Lay the spirit to rest." And in the dream, a cross of light appears on Freddy's forehead. He spins around, screaming, and explodes into sparkles. It reminded me of the death of Clownzilla in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I was like, it's just so weird. He just spins around with all these shiny lights and then boom, sparkles. And then we see Kristen crying over Nancy's corpse, saying she's going to dream her into a beautiful dream. Cut to Nancy's funeral, where we see Neil and the remaining kids saying their goodbyes. Neil notices the nun walking through the graveyard, and then she disappears behind a mausoleum. He goes to speak with her, but when he turns the corner, he finds the grave of none other than Amanda Kruger, a.k.a. Sister Mary Helena. Oh, my God. What a plot twist that no one saw a mile away. Well, I was just going to (laughs) say, and just in case you didn't see this, Neil says, oh, my God, you were his mother. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. Why didn't anybody see that coming? (laughs) I mean, to be fair, in the 80s, I didn't see it coming. I was a kid. So, you know, I was like, oh, wow. That's creepy. But we cut to Neil's house that night, and we see him sleeping peacefully in bed. Standing by his bedside is a Malaysian dream doll that Nancy had, along with the paper mache house. We pan over to the house, and the bedroom light turns on. Cue Dokken credits. Hey, yeah. dream warriors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Final thoughts on this. I fucking love this movie. Granted, I love most of the franchise. But like I said, this one holds a special place for me because it was my favorite as a kid. So I watched it a ton of times. Uh, Definitely a huge influence on me as both an artist and a storyteller. Like it just it lit up my imagination. The the idea of like uh, this monster that could do anything it wants in your dreams. But but when you're in your dreams, you have dream powers. I always thought that was so fascinating. But uh, an, an unpopular opinion. I do like the religious additions to the Freddy mythology. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I like the fact that he's a demon. I think that that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, no, I've always, I've always kind of liked that they, they're like, well, it makes sense. Like, oh yeah, your mom was a nun, yeah, but she was raped by all these fucking maniacs, mm-hmm. you know. And, then, and and I've always loved that. I believe it's in five. I've always loved how that scene is done in five because they put it in there, mm-hmm. kind of, kind of. <laughs> well, you you see Robert England as his own grandpa, right? Um. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I do I do like that. Like, I know a lot of people get sick of the the whole, like, uh, Catholic mythology being used as a a crux for horror films. You, you, you know, you mean you have all of the various, like, possession movies and religious horror movies, like The Exorcist and all that kind of stuff. Um, but Catholicism is scary, people, if you really think about it. And I mean, well, and that's the thing. Maybe it's because I was raised Catholic and, and I went to Catholic school and all that. And I mean, I, I'm no longer Catholic, but as a kid, I was Catholic. So, like, there is there is a level of intrigue for me with those types of horror films. 
Um, and I know a lot of people didn't like that addition to the Freddy mythology, but I, I do. I like it. So, but I also understand why people don't. But uh, what are your guys' final thoughts on this? Oh, I've always liked. I've like I said, I've always liked this one. I've I probably saw it just as much as I did the first. Um, and I yeah, to be honest, it it felt like it was a good end, and I know that's where you know Wes Craven kind of want to be like, okay, we're done, mm-hmm. we're done, guys, and. New Line's like, fuck you, we're going to make millions of dollars on this, which is fine, too. Right. Uh, <laughs> we're going to yeah, make I a mean, whole lot more. It's fine, too. Like, and I don't dislike any really, like, like I, 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 like I said, I kind of skipped over two, like, mm-hmm. when I was a child. Like, I don't think I saw two until I was a teenager. Um, like, I went straight to this. Mm-hmm. Like. But like I've 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 always liked this one. It's got the shit that you know. It's it's got my favorite kids, my my favorite Elm Street kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because you know fuck fuck Rod, uh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck Rod and Glenn. They're boring. Uh, oh come on, I, I love Rod. <laughs> they're they're kind of boring compared to Kincaid. Come on, <laughs> Rod is hilarious. All right, all right. But uh, you know, I've I've always, you know, I've I've always liked this one. And we're the dream warriors. Yeah, I, I thought it was good. Um I enjoy this movie. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is definitely one of those ones that's like it's easy to recommend to other people. Like it's one of those horror movies. It's it's easy to digest. It's short enough, it's got enough cool stuff. And you don't really need to see the other movies to understand everything because they kind of lay it out for you. So but they, I would say you may need to see one, but like, but yeah, I mean, you could like skip over the rest. I mean, like, I feel yeah, like yeah, you don't need to see Dream Child. You, you really don't have to because they change the story. It's true. Right. And I, but I, I even feel like you could skip over one because Nancy does explain like he did this to me when I, you know, six years ago to me and my friend, you know, and like, you know, she she talks about it. And then even when we're they're going to see her dad, like she explains the parents of Elm Street, you know, surrounded and murdered this child murder, blah, 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 blah. Like they give you all the backstory. So it's one of those things where it's like, even if you did skip it, you could still digest the story and be like, oh, yeah, OK, I can follow. Which which is interesting because that is something that doesn't seem to happen anymore in, in movies that are like continuations of other movies. Uh, back in the 80s, they always pretended like, OK, this is somebody's first movie. You know, like much like with comic books, it's like this is somebody's first issue. So you have to like explain as much as possible of the plot line. Whereas like nowadays it's like, Oh, you didn't see the last 16 Marvel movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like who is Iron Man? Like, why do I need to know him? Like, right. <laughs> like you better have seen them all. Um, which again, I also don't mind cause I love episodic movies. So, you know, but I w- I actually was just thinking about that today. Like I have, I've had no desire to see the last few like Marvel movies. I'm like, eh, I'm good now. Right. It's like it's like Doctor Strange like the last Doctor Strange happened and I was like, mm, okay, I see, we're good. I've heard a lot of people say that. I, I personally am still loving them. So but I but I understand. There's there's it's it's easy to get fatigued with, with any franchise. Yeah. But um but yeah, so there's there's a ton of trivia on this. I you know, I mentioned a lot of it already, so I'm not gonna go through all the trivia. Uh but there's there's a few little things like the fact that of uh, um Robert England Robert England, Jesus Christ, Wes Craven's first pitch for this was a new nightmare. He by by part three, he already wanted to do the idea that we we get for New Nightmare. So he was already pitching that back then. To be uh, honest, I'm kind of glad that didn't happen. 
Me too. I, I, think, I, I think it works better that it came like later in the series. Exactly. I mean, because I, I feel like if, if they did it right here, it really would have stopped the series in its tracks. Yeah. Um. So that, I just thought that was interesting, though. Um. Some of the other things like the uh, the clay puppet uh, that we, we were talking about earlier, the way they did that it was, was a reverse dissolve. So they started off with the super sculpted, detailed Freddy face. Um, and then they had several other heads that were like less and less detailed. So they just shot it in reverse, um, which is always cool. They did the same thing with the Freddy snake or the Freddy peen when it was eating Kristen. They had jammed her in there and then slowly pulled the, the Freddy snake off of her. Um, so it was all done in reverse. But um, yeah, there's 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 a ton. Like, so if you guys really want to see or really want to get into the, the trivia, IMDb has a bunch of it, but highly recommend uh, Never Sleep Again, the documentary. They have like an hour on this movie, and it's all good stuff. But one one little thing I did want to mention that's not mentioned anywhere else is that in Japan, this movie was reti- retitled to Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Tragedy House. And in France, it was called Freddy 3, Claws of Nightmare. <laughs> all good titles. All good titles. <laughs> I, I like Freddy 3, Claws of Nightmare. <laughs> But yeah, so I think uh, because this one has run so long and I unfortunately do have to work tonight, uh, I'm going to start wrapping this up. <laughs> What's work. that? Whatever. Uh-huh. I got to work in the morning now. I wasn't supposed to. I'm saying I'll be wor- <laughs> I'll be working until the morning. Yeah. Uh, when but, I'm going in, you're coming home. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but for anyone that is uh, not following us on social media, check out The Boogeyman's Closet on both uh, Facebook and Instagram. And Maurice handles our Twitter. What is that good, sir? At Boogeyman's the Thank you very much. Uh, we do have a Patreon. Uh, I haven't finished changing stuff just yet, uh, but it's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes. If you're interested in something like that, check out uh, Boogeyman's Closet on Patreon. Um, there are going to be some new tiers and some different things added. So uh, if, by the, if, by the, <laughs> if by the time you listen to this, uh, it hasn't been changed, it will be changed shortly. That um, probably is because I have too many birthday episodes. <laughs> No, there, there's honestly a few things that I, I need to I need to change just because my schedule is changing so badly. Um, but uh, we are also part of the Rad Pantheon Network. Uh, so if you like this podcast, chances are you're going to like some of the other podcasts on the Rad Pantheon. So check out RadPantheon.com and Rad Pantheon on all the socials for more podcasts like this, as well as crazy artists doing awesome stuff and musicians and lots of cool creative people. So and on. I was going to say and Dawn. <laughs> and Dawn. Um, well, I was technically going to bring up Global Milk, but, you know. That's, that's true. Because yeah. Global Milk is the proud sponsor of all things Rad, Rad Pan. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, Don. well, thank you for joining us yet again. Oh, and you're welcome. Here I am, as always. I forget what number this is. What is it, like 27, I, 28? No, we're, I think we're in the 30s now, guys. Are in the I 30s? think we're wow. in the 30s. We, I won't care until we hit 50. I'll figure it out one day. Like, soon. <laughs> I'll figure out what, what we are at and then. Yeah, because I, I I can't remember what one I figured out was actually 30. I can't remember. I was like, oh, that was 30? Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're up there, guys. Yeah. So it's getting up there. I know but... May's coming up quick behind me, though, so I got to hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> well, for anyone that wants to watch our next movie before we cover oh, it. Oh, yeah? What one? It's going to be episode 179, <sighs> A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream I would never guessed. <laughs> well, I could have I could have changed it up and put a new nightmare there. You never know. You could have. You could have. 
<laughs> but all right, guys, I think with that, we're going to wrap this one up. So as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. Bye. Get ready for prom time, Vic. <laughs> when I close my eyes, I realize you Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. Uh, you know, Jude Law had to stick his tongue in my bio port.